0: A pilot and a podcast wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers Playing bars, skats I wish I had a million dollars I wish I had a million albums I wish I had a million Problems, that way I couldn't pinpoint All one million outcomes I wish I found a genie lamp I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man, yeah I wish I was a comedian, late night sitcom Syndicated on TV land I wish this well had water in it these kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like. I wish, I wish. That every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. That every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. That every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish it feels just like this. It feels just like this wish I had a time machine, wish I had a better rhyming scheme. wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from a lime bean. I wish that I could spread my wings, no. I wish that I had seven limbs, yeah. that way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things, I wish I spoke fluent Spanish, hello, hello, hello. At, at least I, I kind of understand, understand
1: it, <laughs> hello cats and kittens! kittens. So Welcome to what I'm sure will be a stellar episode of The Debrief. You know what we're here to talk about today is the subject du jour. It is force the vote. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being goofy. I have a soundboard. I don't know that I have pew, pew, pew sounds.
0: uh, uh, uh
1: no. No, more like this. (laughs) But you get the gist. Uh, It has been quite the week, quite the week on the Internet. You know, there was a small part of me that thought there's going to be grace here. You know, there is going to be a recognition that on some core level, the bare bones mechanics of force to vote. The idea that you should not give up something for nothing. The idea that because of very unique and relatively rare historical circumstances a narrow margin in the House means that all of the discourse about how we just got to fight and we just got to elect more progressives and we just got to wait until we change enough minds to get a Bernie Sanders-style figure elected president of the United States of America. All of that rhetoric for one short period of American history for two short years was circumvented by the reality that because Democrats had won such a narrow majority in the House, it didn't take a majority of, Demo- of progressives in the House to win legislation. It didn't require a majority of progressives at all. All it required was for a small number of holdouts, the difference between the number of votes needed and the number of blue dogs there were. If there were just four or five progressives willing to hold out, and not bestow the gavel to Nancy Pelosi automatically, then they could hold up Congress indefinitely, forever, in exchange for whatever they wanted. Oh, my God, what a plan. Oh, my God, what a magical alignment of the stars. Who wouldn't want to take advantage of that sort of opportunity? But we all know the answer to that rhetorical question. Because there's a big, bad, scary comedian named Jimmy Dore, some of the brightest... Stars on the left decided this was not a strategy for them. And did they choose to make it their own? A move that would be somewhat narcissistic, but ultimately constructed to the movement. Did they say, you know what? I don't like Jimmy Dore, but I'm going to call this the Sam Cedar, Anna Kasparian, uh Chang Cougar, plan to rest control for progressives because we have the biggest brains around. Hey, I don't like the Medicare for all floor vote ask, but here are all these other superior asks that over the past two years I've put together with my big brain and I thought this through. These are the things that the, the pro- progressives definitely should be asking for in this kind of s- scenario. Is that what happened? It was a couple of years ago. I'm having a struggle. i struggling to remember. No! Nope. That's not at all what happened. What happened instead was a bunch of people couldn't look past their own my my myopia creating egos and instead killed murdered slaughtered the the most significant leverage point progressives have had probably since the end of the union era Pro, probably probably in in 70 or 80 years they saw this opportunity and took a big old shit on it and they tortured us and they maligned us and they insulted us and they ad hominem us for two years after they made the biggest mistake of their political lives. And then what happened? Then what happened? Wow. Some real dummies fell into a really great idea. A handful of real dipshits, Lauren Boebert <laughs> co <laughs> happened across an idea. Cause here's the thing. The idea is not that sophisticated as it turns out. It doesn't, it doesn't take uh, a master's in YouTube plaque to figure this one out. And so lo and behold, Republicans in the exact same position as Democrats were in last term with their narrow majority in the House, a handful of them, more than a handful, 20 of them realized that they could ask for whatever they wanted in the whole wide world, a blank check, as long as they were willing to not vote for Kevin McCarthy and as a consequence kevin mccarthy has spent the last week desperately trying to put together lists of whatever they want to try to get them to concede and finally pass the gavel to him now we've all known what the response from the no nothing left has been it has been oh well the asks are bad like the, these conservatives are asking for dumb things wow what you're telling me that lauren Boebert isn't asking for substantive material policies that are going to Help the poor and great, uh, restore democracy to our corrupt political system? What? Holy shit! Wow, I'm like mind boggled by that. Things were really hipping me to that cat. <laughs> of course, their asses are stupid, dummy. <laughs> but we're not stupid. The left isn't immoral, and the left ostensibly could have been in a position to come up with the moon and the stars look i really respect that jimmy Dore says i'm a jagoff comedian i don't know everything and who am i i'm new to this political game i don't know everything the idea of a for, a floor vote for medicare for all i like it a lot because we were in the middle of a pandemic something which everyone seems to have wanted to forget everyone wants to forget how breathlessly we were reading the numbers of thousands tens of thousands half a million people dead Everyone wants to memory hole the fact that there were bodies piling up and and and, and healthcare professionals, uh, you know, posting pictures of themselves with dark red lines across their faces because of the pressure of the masks all day, completely burned out. Nurses quitting, traveling across the country, desperate to try to earn an extra income for tireless work they weren't being sufficiently compensated for. People not being able to gather with their families, pre-vaccine huddle in their homes, terrified, unsure how long this was going to go. Kids home from school, and before that. Knowing because Bernie Sanders told us that 60,000 people, 68,000 people a year before the pandemic were dying simply because they were too poor for health care. Something that we were told was a moral crisis, something that we were told justified as giving our last seven, 20, 100, $200 to a campaign that we really truly believed in. So that ask was a good one, and it's the kind of ask that would have gotten a lot of traction and really put a moral imprimatur um, on this whole project that, of course, the right-wing project that we're witnessing now does not have. But, hey, I don't know everything. And when David Sirota questioned the ask and offered up some asks of his own, I said, you know what, David, thank you. Thank you, David. I appreciate that. Because I haven't been around as long as you... I don't know about the machinations on the Hill as much as you do. I don't know what the kinds of things that would be helpful to this broader project of advancing progressive policies. So I appreciate you contributing to this instead of just exclusively naysaying a moment that had more energy behind it than anything that has happened since Bernie ran for president. And I wish I really like, I'll stop being glib for a second now. Like I wish to the bottom of my soul that every single person who right now on the internet is saying, but I don't like the ask, but what if the asks are bad, but the right wing asks are bad would have spent half the time they spent trying to tear down something, trying to put their mind toward how to fortify this plan and say yes and. But the only person in this scenario that seems to have understood that basic principle of comedy that you should yes and to make a bit entertaining is perhaps unsurprisingly the Jagoff comedian. So credit where credit's due, Jimmy Dore was right. And by the way, Kyle Kalinske, who had a lot of credibility in this space because he was one of the founders of the Justice Democrats, he was also right. Justin Jackson was right. Crystal Ball was right. Chris Hedges was right. Cornell West was right. And I was right. <sighs> so it's been, you know, an emotionally mixed time. I, I truly don't know. I, some new people who I really like and respect have gotten into the fray today. Um, being detractors, apparently mad that people aren't talking more about whatever it is that they want them to be talking about. I just don't understand this argument. I hope everyone just takes a minute and touches grass and realizes what solidarity actually means and sees that this is an opportunity. Because guess what? Force the vote isn't over for the left either. AOC has indicated this. Ro Khanna mentioned this. Uh, I interviewed him this morning on the Hill. You should all definitely go and watch that interview. Definitely go and watch that interview. They've all realized that oh now there's gains to trade because those same progressives that could have forced the vote in 2021 could do coalition politics with some faction of the right right now and get something for the left out of resolving this situation. Now it's obviously harder. There's a different. There are different asks and um, concessions that a right wing person is going to be willing to make with a progressive versus Nancy Pelosi, who is going to be able to make with a progressive, right? But certainly there are asks that can be made, because Kevin McCarthy is a rat in the corner. (laughs) And he would do anything, it seems. And I imagine that some of the concessions that the left might want in this moment are actually less onerous than the things that the Bobart crew would ask for, especially since the Bobart crew, I think truly understanding their power in a way that the left never did is refusing to put down concrete asks on paper because they know once they do, Kevin McCarthy is so desperate, he will fulfill them and this whole thing will be over and they'll look like bad faith actors. I mean, they already look like bad faith actors, but whatever. They look like even more bad faith actors. So they understand they don't have to say shit. All, all of the the establishment, Fox News people are losing their mind. Brett Baier and all, they can't stand it. They're like, but they, they sound just like the neoliberals. They just sound, they sound just like uh, Sam Cedar in them. They're saying, oh, but you don't have a plan for who's Speaker? What's next? Guess what, dipshits? <laughs> the power of the plan does not come from replacing the Speaker. The power of the plan comes from knowing that the the establishment wants to keep pressing forward and run the government. And you have other concerns that are different from what the establishment concerns are because you are not the establishment. And the reason these left, these so-called leftists, can't understand this is because they over-identify with the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party's agenda. And this is what I asked, this is what I said to Rokana this morning. He says at the end of the day, I said, why are you rooting for Hakeem Jeffries like he's your friend? Hakeem Jeffries is a toxic force that has spent his whole career trying to to demean the left. He started a super PAC with Josh Gottheimer to run candidates, uh, to to defeat candidates that run against Democratic incumbents from the left. He campaigned on the ground for Chantel Brown and was an enemy of Nina Turner, someone you were supposed to be allied with on the Nina Turner campaign. So you're going to sit here and tell me that I should be especially invested in Hakeem Jeffries as... Speaker? Minority leader? Why aren't progressives in this moment even peeling off and, hey, these votes don't matter, right? Why aren't there credible threats from progressives about what they would do and their performative votes and their ability to grandstand at the mic in this moment? And he says, well, we'll get more done. All that, all that, that progressive agenda that you described, all of those wonderful things that I want as progressives, it's more likely that it'll happen under Keene Jeffries than the alternative. And I said, how sway? Because we've had two years of that logic. With Joe Biden and a democratically controlled House and a democratically controlled s- Senate. And you guys haven't done shit. Because Nancy Pelosi is a bigger hostile force to the interests of progressives in the country, or at least as big a hostile force, for our interests. Not the Democratic Party's milquetoast interests. Our interests, which are different than, than anybody on the other side of the aisle. Hakeem Jeffries does not believe in the Green New Deal. He is a New York congressman who will not commit to the Green New Deal. Sunrise Movement had an event in his district filled with over 100 of his constituents and he didn't show up and they had an empty chair in the middle of the room symbolically. This man does not believe in Medicare for all. This man says that Israel is the sixth borough of New York. And you guys are sitting up here clapping for him like a trained seal. So AOC, you know, has said, that the Democrats have said that they're unwilling to bargain for a vote for um, uh, uh, McCarthy. But they will potentially bargain for an alternative conservative that is better than McCarthy, whatever that means. I, the, the, the point I want to land, though, is that the same way that they recognize, at least some of them, ASC and Rokana have recognized, that there is gains to trade here for progressives because of the pickle that conservatives are in. This could have been a pickle that liberals were in. And I I got to say, I, I cannot enjoy, I cannot applaud and enjoy Kevin McCarthy's desk being pulled in and out and in and out of the, of his office as people can't decide whether or not he's a duly nominated speaker or a squatter who's trying to use adverse possession to claim the speaker's office. I can't enjoy that because I keep thinking about how Nancy Pelosi, a woman so reviled that three quarters of the American public want her to step down Three quarters of the American public wanted her to step down. A woman who's featured in right-wing ads across the country because she's so universally despised. A woman who's overstayed her t- time in Congress by at least a decade. A woman whose personal wealth has ballooned in the context of her tenure in Congress at the same time that she openly, openly tries to uh, derail Popular legislation to prevent Congress members from doing insider trading. And then successfully derailed said bill at the end of the year without much of a peep from the progressives who were supposed to be the vanguard of our left wing in this country. I keep imagining what happened if that corrupt being had her desk pulled out of the Speaker's office. And the fact that that was an opportunity that we squandered and they're going to sit here and act like we're somehow winning, that the left is somehow winning because the neoliberals are playing mayor games with the far right. And and, and, the, and the progressives in our party and the liberals in our party are sounding exactly like the the Fox News establishment and Brett Beyer and all of them. Elon Musk got ratio today. For saying that Kevin McCarthy could be speaker. Because the people. The press. You know people people back during ago they argued. Oh the press will be against you. The press will be against you. Of course the press will be against you. The press is the enemy. That's how you know you're doing something right. But the people. Even the conservative people have turned against Fox News. Conservative people have turned against Elon Musk. Elon Musk got ratioed for saying that Kevin McCarthy should be speaker of the house. Donald Trump got proverbially ratioed. In so far as he was just ignored. For saying that, Elon, uh, that uh, Kevin McCarthy should be speaker of the house. And Elon Musk came back with some sad, pathetic. Oh, I, I see the different opinions differ on this. Like, well, if not, if not Kevin, then who? And people have names, by the way. Justin Amash, who we interviewed on the on um, Rising yesterday, great interview. He went down. He left our interview and immediately went down to the hill and started talking to people about how I'm I'm here to be speaker. If you want me to be speaker. They have names, but the point is that it's not about having names in the alternative. They can squat on this vote for the rest of their lives if they want to, and nobody can do anything about it. That's why this is such an incredibly powerful tool, and the fact that some of the most long-standing big brains on the left and our public intellectual community were trying—they were—if this was explained to them. Their hands were held. People who have the uh, the respect of the community like Cornel West and Chris Hedges tried and they explained people who without whom we literally wouldn't have a squad like Kyle Calenci tried to explain. And their hubris, their narcissism was so great. Their, Their hero worship of a handful of people that no one even knew their names five years ago, these squad members, was so great that they squandered what is potentially the biggest opportunity the left has seen in a hundred years. And no one should ever let them forget it. No matter how much Anna Kasparian Kvetch and can't keep my name out of her mouth. All right, let's go team. Brian, you're up. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight?
2: Hello. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. I like that shot at the end of Anna Kasparian, the way you just slid that in like that. That was, I respect that, but, um, I don't know. Like you said, uh the big brains on the left, the quote unquote progressive caucus, like yeah. Like at one point, is it just sinister? Like at one point, because there's no way they don't know that they could do these things. Like I refuse to believe that fully functioning adults who went to the best schools and got all the education don't understand power. It's like they just don't want to don't want to use it and if they don't then why? cuz like there's no cuz i mean like you said like the people doing it in the republican party like they aren't they aren't the best and brightest. I mean it's it's, it's, it's like you said bobert and matt Getz, like it, and they don't even want to have physical like material asked either. So i mean if you're going to grandstand, at least grandstand for something that's good. And like you said, in the end even if it doesn't materialize at least you let the people know where you where you stand, because at the end of the day, it's about the people knowing what's going on. Because the media is going to hate you regardless. So like what do you, I just. It, yep. I I, don't
1: know. I, I I honestly am I'm confused about it because I understand the Jimmy Dore pilling that happened, and I'm not going to even pretend to understand the personal relationships that a lot of these people have because they all used to work together at TYT. This is a realization I've only kind of recently come to that it is, it is personal beyond what we see on the internet because these people have known each other and been working together for like 15 years at TYT and have broken up over a million personal private reasons, some of which have become public that hit deeper than I can imagine. So While I can disaggregate people's personalities and say, oh, I don't agree with that take, and I do agree with that take, I think it's tougher for some of these other figures because they have, like, some personal beef with Jimmy Dore. But that's between them, Jimmy Dore, and whatever God they believe in. It's it's no excuse for ignoring what this opportunity was. And then there's other people who aren't in that TYT corona. Like, well, I'm not going to name names because I'm not trying to start beef. But I've seen people today that I really like, actually, and respect and whose intellect and knowledge about the Hill happenings I admire, who for some reason who have never been a part of this debate, who popped up and were like, oh, why are we talking about this? This is more important news. I was like, okay, then go talk about your news. Like, I'm sorry, when did you become captain of the timeline? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like, this particular issue just really pisses people off and it pisses people off who i think have careers from like getting in the like reporting on how nothing happens
2: right i was about to say because like now like you said even the people reporting and the politicians themselves like there's nowhere to hide like you can't you can't blame the other side you can't i mean it's it's so hard i mean they tried to blame the parliamentarian and like, they're gonna find somebody to blame but it's like it's so blatantly gutless when you like, it's such a dereliction of duty, and it's so obvious when you push it down the line, and it's just, it exposes people, it naturally exposes people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, if you figure it out, you tell me. And look, I know that I I popped off at the beginning of this. I just needed to get that stuff off of my chest. The reality is, I would love it if we were in a world. Like, I I, I really mean it. I think a lot of people have good ideas and have offered good pushback on why this ask is better than this ask and what cluster of asks there should be. The worst outcome here for me would be if we are presented with an opportunity like this again and the Ben Burgesses of the world are still sitting around saying, but I don't like a floor vote for Medicare for all 20 years from now, instead of using even one second of his time to figure out what he would want. Cause this is, this is what I was so frustrated with, with Ro Khanna too. It's like, and, and with the person I was referencing before who, seem to be angry that people were talking about this on the timeline. It's like either you believe there's absolutely no powerful leverage here, in which case you think Kevin McCarthy is offering up these compromises for no reason whatsoever. The fact that the compromises are not what we like or what we think is substantive is irrelevant. The part, the point is that we would define the ask. So you either think it's not possible to define the ask, which is flatly wrong and stupid or you're just intellectually unwilling to even imagine what it would mean to get something that you asked for because you're so used to losing. See,
2: the latter can't be possible to me. That's why I say it's sinister. Like, they know. Like, they know you're fed up, but they just don't care. But, I mean, I only have one extra thing. Uh, It was uh, someone you might want to have on the show because he's all about, like, being sort of cutthroat about political things. And I'll just let you go. Um, His name is uh, Diallo Kenyatta. He has a YouTube channel, which is just his name. And it's, I think he'd be a good guest to have on the show. But I don't want to keep you too long because I know the Q is long. So.
1: Diallo Kenyatta. All
2: yeah. right.
1: I'm going to write it in my Slack thread. Thank you for calling in, Brian. No problem. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Chris, what's on your mind?
3: Uh-oh. I don't know why you're hearing that music right now. Music? oh i'm hearing it all right hold on i guess uh, my youtube just randomly cut on i don't know why i swear i'm like so bad with like technology like i don't, <laughs> I, I don't know how none of this shit work <laughs> but uh how are you doing on this lovely night
1: i'm doing okay let me tell you i didn't sleep all week
4: <laughs> i got two or three
1: hours of sleep every mm. night this week i took a little bit of a power nap this afternoon woke up at seven went to the gym real quick showered and sat down here to talk to you fine people Aww. so i'm kind of exhausted i gotta say i'm about to sleep like the dead Oh, okay. But it has been a gratifying week. I felt really good about my radars this week. I thought we had a really great slate of programming every day this week on rising. Well, I can't speak for the days I'm not there, but you know, Tuesday through Thursday on rising. And you know, I'm really proud of the show that we put out this week. I'm, I'm proud of today's episode. Like I'm proud of the work that we've done for the last two years as a community. And I feel tired, but fulfilled.
3: Well, that's good. That's good. That's really good. And yeah, your radars were actually really good. I think um, the comment section was very like kind of positive about the whole thing. But I guess maybe because we're on the I guess the outside of like um, what we are set, what we would say is like a establishment politics. So, you know, of course, there was Republicans like, you know, Republicans agreeing with like, no, this isn't a terrible thing. This isn't the worst thing in the world. Like, why are we trying to make it seem like the idea that democracy is happening and people are getting or forcing what they want? Or using their power to get what they want is a bad thing, as far as it comes to their constituency. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, their our constituency and their constituency is a little bit different. I think they're more so just about they don't. I guess like um like with the the right, it's not really about like governing. So this doesn't mean nothing really to a lot of them. So as opposed to I guess what you would say the left though. But regardless, they're, what they're governing. More, more,
1: Huh? <laughs> what? What governing are we giving up? Because, because here's the thing: they want to obstruct forever because they don't care about governing. The left yeah, wouldn't say yeah. we have we we're going to just sit on this. We would yeah. say we want to get to governing too, which is why you should enable us to govern in the way that we want, which is stuff yeah. that also the majority of the American people want. How can you yeah. argue against that?
3: Yes. Yeah. They- exactly exactly literally how could you argue against that and why is this like the, such craziest thing in, in the world because it happened over like i guess 100 years ago the last time something like this happened but regardless i think all of that is kind of like semantics and everything it's just like you know they're at the end of the day lauren bobert does have a constituency and she knows her constituency and her constituency honestly don't care
1: right and by the way oh. that's most this is what's so funny i think the establishment and even some anti-establishment conservatives like Marjorie Taylor Green really thought that they were going to be on the right here, that the public would side with them. The public is not siding with them. Conservatives not. are not siding with McCarthy, mm-hmm. Elon Musk, Donald Trump. All of them now look like insider establishment figures because the energy, the people know where the energy is. Nobody mm-hmm. gives a shit that Congress can't pass some dumb bill that like doesn't affect their lives. The the the, the satisfaction level with Congress is like single digits. Nobody literally. likes these people. Nobody cares yeah. if they don't get paid. Nobody cares if they have to sit there and not go back to their districts. Nobody cares. The public wants to punish them for yep. ignoring them for generations.
3: Ex- exactly. That's literally. That's literally. Li- li- you literally hit the nail on the head. Like their approval rating is literally in the single digits. No one believes in this uh, uh, in this Congress, and they have it for a long time. So it's like, yeah. Honestly, regular people truly, truly don't care. Like that, like, and then honestly, it's bringing more attention to shit like C SPAN and everything like that now, which is even more funny because there's no other reason to watch C SPAN unless you're like a legit. Political junkie who was like, "This is like your job and everything like that." Nobody gives. Shout it. out to
1: Jen Briney. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you notice how, like the detractors, or I'll call them the anti-force to vote people. You notice mm. they're not using a lot of the uh, the arguments they were using. So the whole idea of this is stupid because you know now Hakeem Jeffries is in a position to get the um, the speakership. They're not saying that no more. Now they're just saying, well, the the idea is stupid or Medicare for all uh, on the floor. It was going to fail anyway. So Mm -hmm. why? So why? So why does it matter if it was going to fail? And I'm like, well, I don't think it matters. Like to me personally, I don't I think that's like a fucked up thing to just like because you don't have the votes for something that you can't have talks or you can't have like discussions about it or you don't wanna put it to the floor so you can actually have like personal like uh, debates about whatever the topic is. Like the idea is like, okay, we don't have the vote, so we're not gonna do nothing. Isn't that, that's like the problem with Congress. Nothing moves. No new ideas, no originality, and it's a huge part of this because somehow, if you just don't have like this overwhelming support of stuff, and then also the uh obviously the 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 capture of um of the uh the corporate class of our government, it's it's this is the whole part of like stagnation, and this is what everyone is mad about. And you would think like people from TYT and you know, I guess like I say, the naysayers would somewhat understand it, but I'm kind of starting to realize they have their money and they, have, you know. They're not in the same situations I think like us everyday people are. They have money at the end of the day. Yeah, Their I've resisted
1: some mad. of those arguments like, oh, they just don't care because they took cats and bring money or whatever. Like, I, I've tried to stay out of all of that. I will I will well, say that I'm going to continue to stay out of that, but I, yeah. I will say this. I was thinking about this um, you know, in the shower just now, that yeah. it strikes me as something akin to immoral the way people sigh in an exasperated fashion when you bring up Medicare for all these days. Mm-hmm. There is this sense that because of the political, the law the, 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 that is such a political long shot at this time mm-hmm. um, that to even talk about it is childish. And if Bernie did anything, like, I think the most significant contribution that he made to the world in the last five, six years or whatever since 2016 is that he made it okay. He made it feel not high in the sky to say we wanted basic human rights that people in our peer countries have. Yeah. That, that was huge. To be able to yeah. say healthcare is a human right, housing is a human right.
5: Right. Uh-huh. We should have
1: cancer. Of college should be free medical debt should be canceled All like that that was so huge and I remember the psychological lift that I experienced as I came into the Bernie movement in 2015 2016 and how for once in my life I felt like politics mattered and my political identity and my moral identity aligned and this dissonance that I historically felt just went away
4: mm-hmm. and that
1: feeling that, that I, th- I think I talked about this in an episode of Hear the Burn that scene in Goodwill Hunting When uh, Robin Williams says to uh, what's his face, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And he breaks down crying and and lets go of the psychological burden of thinking that all of the trials and tribulations in his life, you know, were there because of something that he had done and that he basically deserved it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what Bernie felt like to me. He came to all of us and said, your debt, your poverty, your struggle, your food insecurity, You know, your inability to pay for your wife's breast cancer treatment, the indignities that you feel and all of that—it's not your fault. And the people who are now sighing and rolling their eyes
3: when you bring up Medicare
1: for all, they're trying to put you back in that box. Mm -hmm. And that is so immoral to me. That is so pernicious to me. And it's good people who don't even, I think, realize that they're doing it. It's a lot of, you know, left writers and commentators. They're just like, why talk about this now? Like, get over it. Oh my I'm sorry.
6: So, yeah, it's like, you, you,
1: you want us to whiplash from it being the biggest Moral cause of the age to get over it Because we have to wait for Gavin Newsom to be president Or some shit exactly. before we get better care For all? Absolutely not I will not, I will, <laughs> I will never Succumb to that mentality
3: yeah. And, and I guess like, that's why I'm more comfortable saying like, I think because people are a little bit more comfortable than, you know, their constituency that they claim that they argue for are so cool and nonchalant about the idea. And then also so arrogant and bullheaded and just not admitting that, okay, maybe I was wrong about this. Cause I think what you're seeing from the, honestly, the detractors, you just see, you just seeing ego now. That's all this is. That Anna Kasparian little jab she tried to throw at you, ego. Jim, uh, i think chink finally started temp- time in calling people children and stuff mm-hmm. ego and it's so sad because it's all just about the idea that the face of this was jimmy Dore, sam cedar and his little little thing that he tried to do today well uh, i think when he kind of yeah he was like it's stupid and anyone who believed in force to vote is a moron it's like bro you don't even know what half this shit is we, I, we remember the interview when you cooked his ass and he didn't <laughs> even know what the fuck was talking about we all remember that mm-hmm. but now since it's getting put in your face again and you're starting to realize oh shit, maybe we were on the wrong side or it's getting, you guys want, because they were on the wrong side of history and people are reminding that, now it's just ego touting as opposed to what you were saying, with Chenk was like, when Chank made his little comment, he was like, okay, well, okay, well, the, you're saying that there were no tangible ass. What are the tangible
1: asses now? Right. What would you have liked to ask for? Because exactly. I, I really, I want everyone to really internalize this. I think that we should talk about that. this more and tweet about this more. Mm-hmm. The door was always open. I remember when I was drafting in mid-December my force of vote piece for current affairs. At the time, it was when David Cerroda was kind of going through the transitional period of he had made criticisms of the ask. People were mad about at him on the, on the internet. I was doing privately had a sideline with him where we talked about it and he was like, well, I just think these other things are more important. And I said, well, David, if you think these other things are more important and this is how I remember it, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to misrepresent it. David, if you were listening to this at some day and you see it, you remember it differently, please do chime in. But as I remember it, he was like, I just like these other asks. I said, that's fine. I've never even heard of these other asks, but you're smart. (laughs) Let's do those too. These aren't either or. And he had written, he was, we were thinking about writing an article together. He ended up writing something separate and I just linked to it in my current affairs piece. And it was like, here are these other asks that are also good. But like, to me that like contributed so much in getting people out of their all or nothing thinking where they think it's my idea or your idea. Like I really respect and admire the fact that he was willing to shake it off and move forward and be so useful. So I'm not interested in dragging someone forever for like a moment of consternation or a moment of like unclear thinking or you know a moment of succumbing to personal you know conflict with someone else or anything like that i'm truly willing to forgive but like not without accountability
3: yeah yeah exactly and i think that's the big thing like it had been so different i mean obviously it wouldn't happen because like i said everyone's ego is kind of like in this now or at least i'll say like with the naysayers and everything though but if it would have just been like Maybe you can't say an acknowledgement because, are because what we're dealing with is people's ego, so they can't acknowledge that they was wrong though. But maybe if the conversation just shifts towards, all right, so what would be your ask if progressive got into this kind of situation again? Would it be something like, oh, um, we can do this, but you guys got, you know, APAC can't come and destroy, I'll, yes, it's and things like that, or um, hey, we want better committee assignments and seats and everything like that, or hey, how about we put that um um the the antitrust laws and everything that you know that really got killed by nancy pelosi and everything like that why don't next time this come around says no uh we're not going to vote for nancy pelosi unless she gives us a vote on um um on the antitrust on stock trading yeah yeah yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. remember when we had uh jim zogby on and he was talking about how he couldn't even get a vote Mm -hmm. in the dnc to get dark money out of Democratic Party primaries?
3: Imagine if they did that. Imagine they just sat on CNN. Well, well you know, CNN's covering all this. It's a whole shit show. Of course, you know, our media and everything like that would be pissed off, so they're just going to be railing at them. But imagine every time they go up to for this vote and they get there a couple minutes and they talk about that. They talk about the money that's being laundered, how it's, you know, the corporate capture and everything like that. Imagine if they just got every, like, at least five or six progressive people said that. Yeah, You can kind of it, you could kind of start hitting a little bit more the the points you want to do and then i think you would see that the american people were like well you know yeah cuz we all think this is crazy that people who have the most information about um, the most information when it comes to stocks and stuff can just trade, trade money and make billions and billions, well millions and millions. And of who dollars. can defend Nobody that? Because by the way, The
1: right wing media, the conservative media, they criticized Pelosi for her stance on that. Mm-hmm. They criticized Pelosi for her stance on that more than the liberal media. So what? Who? Who? I dare you! I dare someone to stand up with the conservative media siding with leftists about the fact that Nancy Pelosi should not be allowed to enrich herself by yes. stock trading on insider information. And let Keith Overman or uh, Rachel Maddow or whoever the hell they have over at MSNBC oh, these days defend it. I want yeah. to see that world. And, yeah. and Chank and Sam and them denied us that world. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah.
1: And everyone who whispered in a squad member's ear and Nancy Pelosi, I'm sure she threatened them. Like, I'm sure that there was probably a couple. It seems like at least Ilhan at one point wanted to do it with that tweet that I'm sure she regrets.
3: Yeah, because now everyone's bringing it up. And of course, you know, Jimmy Doors is blasting everybody for it. Of
1: but... course. And y'all should all watch Jimmy Doors. He did a segment on this last night that posted today. Okay. Uh, where he played much of my radar. Shout, shout out Shout out to him for his consistency through all of this and taking all the slings and arrows.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does look like the kind of like the guy. Like, God, why can't just people just admit when they wrong? I don't I never understand this with people. Like, I just it's okay. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It just means that you were wrong about something. We, aren't we all wrong about something in some way, face of life. We're never like, so like, I just don't get, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the inflated. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I truly, truly don't know, but, um, I do see that you have about 40 people in your queue section. So, uh, that's all <laughs> I got to say. Um, um, I know um, one thing I did want to just say real quick um, I've been following the whole like cop city thing in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, I trying to get a little bit more knowledgeable on it so that's why I didn't want to like talk about it because I'm still kind of a little ignorant about it but if um, everybody who's like even familiar with the idea of like cop city and what that is and everything I mean I don't know if you guys have done segments on this on rising but that, I think that would be like a great thing to kind of like until you on there are a couple activists um, there's a black guy I can't remember his name right now but he's been kind of like the face of it and everything um, and he's kind of like uh, talking about what's going on. And the Atlanta, Al- well, the Atlanta police, they're pretty much telling everybody 2023, we getting everybody to fuck up out of them woods. So, um, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Thank
1: you, Chris. I appreciate that. And I, to your point, I'm going to hop around a little bit today. So I'm coming to you, Chantel. Keep the faith, Chris. <laughs> uh, Chantel, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, Brianna! Wow, I was
8: I was I was prepared to to go, and as usual, I have to work tomorrow. I was gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna be here after midnight. I don't care. <laughs> Grateful <laughs> you jumped around a bit. Um, so now you can both get a good night's sleep tonight. Yes, you can both get a good night's sleep. Um, You know, it's just like I I watched your your um radars both yesterday and today and I was just like how can anyone really disagree with this you know and I respected so much like how you were trying to keep like personal beefs out of it like just mentioning like okay Cenk Uygur said this he called me a fake leftist or Sam Cedar didn't know about the fact that you know you couldn't you know Kevin McCarthy wasn't going to magically become Speaker of the House if, you know, the progressives held, you know, held Mm -hmm. out. And I was just like, okay, you know, and that's totally justified. You kept it totally like, you know, no, no personal, no, no juvenile stuff. And I mean, I I feel you because I mean, I, I don't care. I'm 36 I'm getting on in years, you know, I'm too old for this shit, you know. Shout <laughs> I, out to my fellow geriatric
1: millennial queen. <laughs>
8: yes, you know, I'm, I'm really too old for this shit. I don't care about the, the personal beefs and who dislikes who. And then I had the misfortune yesterday. I mean, I, I was so annoyed. I just unfollowed Ben Burgess, you know. I mean, you know, generally I, I, I like, you know, I agree with him on all lot stuff. But, you know, I'm like, I don't need to see this shit in my timeline where he likes some juvenile ass tweet by some, you know, no name who's just like, you know, watch clip of Anna Kasparian slay Brianna Joy Gray. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I just, it was like, don't do it, Shadow, don't do it. But I did it. I clicked yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you see the little jibe, like, you know, I, I wish it had happened because then, you know, Annika Sparing could move on. And I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, you're showing your ass, girl. You know, it's it's just it's it's, it's just completely personal. And I'm like, you know, you, you swore a lot in the beginning. So I feel comfortable <laughs> doing it, too. You know, And I was just like, I don't give up fuck you know (laughs) i mean not even the slightest bit of self-reflection like you know what even if i still disagree i still disagree with x y and z but you know what we were wrong when we were just like oh kevin mccarthy
1: would would be speaker Mm -hmm. you know it's even if they just admitted that to be honest like they can maintain that they think the floor vote was a badass like whatever i don't even give a shit at this point just admit just admit yes. that you were all so wrong, so loud and wrong. We did like, it was like an hour and a half, at least into the interview, the debate with Sam Cedar before he had to get corrected on that. I was like, and by the way, we did that interview in like February or March. It was like a lot, maybe it was February. It was a long time after force. Yes. The we had had weeks and weeks and weeks of discourse and time for people to get up to date on the basics of what the strategy was. And I'm sorry, like, that's so embarrassing for you to weigh it in at this point. People, And this is two years later, and people still don't fucking know. Like, don't disrespect me by not having even picked up an article and read 500 words between two years ago and now, and then want to be banging loud in my face. And, that, and that's what I, happens. 100 agree. Already, He debated with me and then after it was like oh that wasn't fair she's a harvard lawyer i'm sorry i graduated in 2011. that is not some new reality (laughs) that you got smacked over the head with if you didn't prepare for a debate you didn't prepare for the debate if you were so stupid and here's what it is i gotta tell you i've been taking a lot of this very personally even though i haven't always expressed it i feel as though people underestimated me and then they get caught up and embarrassed and then they lash out but why do they underestimate me in the first place I find that to be very insulting. I have not been taken seriously by no any of this. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, I
8: appreciate, I mean, game recognized game. I'm a lawyer too. And I, I saw you in that debate okay. and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> she's got his ass. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Oh shit. You know, so I just what really annoys me and gets my goat besides the, the complete, you know, just, I'm sorry. It, It really is embarrassing to watch adults, hardback adults just behave like kids, you know? And I, I, I'm not even that big of a fan of Jimmy Dore, but then again, that's completely irrelevant. Like, I don't give a shit. If it's a good idea, it was a good idea. Right. You know, and in particular, like the Sam Cedar one really, really just got on my nerves because I guess, and this is like on brand for the majority report, but they have this certain smugness and arrogance that, you know, comes along. At least that's how I've always felt about them that, you know, has, they're very smug. They're very arrogant. Like even, and you, you can, I'm just like, these people are fucking sharing notes. Like, you know, um, when Anna Kasparian mentions, oh yeah, I'm just fed up of this is a branding exercise. You know, and I remember, I remember, um, it was when Crystal Ball had, you know, um, tweeted at AOC when she was trying to, you know, with her stupid, like, fist emoji when Chris Malls got the, Mm-hmm. you know was successful and she tried to jump in and i god god alone knows why i subjected myself to it but i was watching the majority report and their take on the whole thing and you know emma Viglund, who used to work at tyt you know and she's there like slamming crystal ball like mm-hmm. it's just a branding exercise for her and when i heard anna conspiracy branding exercise again i was like <laughs> wait boy these women is just sit <laughs> down here, and, and you know just like share notes and stuff like you can't even just genuinely just engage on the merits you know mm-hmm. you you know, it, everything has to be personal. It has to be some, like, stupid mean girl shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you guys are grown-ass women. You know, don't you feel a little ashamed? Like, Jank, you girl, his, his tweet about, like, you know, all the force to vote children. Well, first of all, complete straw man, because nobody who supported forced the vote said, oh, well, you force the vote we'll automatically win. Bullshit. That nobody believed that. Of course. Of you
1: course. Know? Everyone and was too- very explicit about the fact that th- the whole point was that it was gonna lose and it shouldn't because we're in a we, have, we live in a country where most people support Medicare for all. So why do most Congress members not? Like that was the whole gist of it to heighten that. Yeah, you know, it was just it was
8: just bullshit. and then, you know, I'm like, dude, you're, you're not even that smart. Like, I'm making it personal, but just their <laughs> their, their behavior. And I used to be a big TYT watcher. I mean, I used to watch, I'm not even an American, but I was so inspired by the Bernie Sanders movement. I'm here in little Trinidad and Tobago watching and I was just like, you know, yes, you know, and your own audience, when you poll them overwhelmingly supported Force the Vote. Yep. And you go and you, you have a tweet and you, you're saying, oh, the forced to vote children. I'm like, you don't even respect your own audience. You know? You're insulting yep. your own people. You're just so blinded by your personal animosity. And I'm not here to make any judgment on whether that animosity is founded or unfounded. Because at the end of the day, it's irrelevant. Who gives a shit? You know? Yeah. These are people's lives you're talking about. You're talking about poor average working people. The people that you claim that you're fighting for and that you support you know, and you just can't see past your own personal grievances.
1: You're acting like a teenage boy, you know, <laughs> grow yeah. up. Calling, calling people children. I'm sorry. At a certain point, it starts to become projection. Yes. And I mean, again, I'm, you know what? Fuck it. I'm making it personal again. <laughs> see,
8: <laughs> Go off, <Chantel. laughs> You know, no, it really gets my goat because I've seen like, you know, when he goes on, you know, some of his rants, I mean, I stopped watching TYT a couple of years ago because I really couldn't take the fucking loser Donald segments all the time. I was like, dude, give me a <laughs> fucking break, you know? But, you know, you like when he he goes off on his his rants and stuff, well, first of all, I'm concerned he's going to have a heart attack. But, you know, he gets on like a child. I'm like, it really is projection. You calling people who have a substantive disagreement with you children you straw man them it's just like come on that's what my six-year-old nephew does when he's trying to get out of getting in trouble (laughs) you know
1: i do know i do know
8: you know it's just it's so uh, you know Mm -hmm. like when Mm -hmm. when i and i watched i haven't had a chance to watch the interview at Rokana yet but i watched um bad faith with thomas frank and you know Mm -hmm. i was like god you know it's mature. Why, why can't, why can't these people act like ups? You know, is that too much to ask? Am I an old cur- curmudgeon? You know,
1: <laughs> this you know, I just, I can't take this shit. It, it's just so. I didn't, I didn't know what, um, Thomas Frank's take was going to be on all of this when I had him on and said, well, let's just talk about this because it's, it's happening. And I was perfectly prepared. To dis you know to disagree with him and explain why I felt differently than him, and know that it was going to be a good conversation because he's an affable, open minded person who wasn't going to start hurling invectives at me because we had a difference of opinion. Yeah, and it's just it's crazy to me that like this all like literally this all could be squashed if two things happened. One, it could have been squashed two years ago after we debated Sam Cedar. Because at the end of that conversation, which ended very cordially, it seemed like we had come to some agreement. At the end of that three-hour conversation, he basically admitted that the reason he was not for the plan was because of Jimmy Dore's personality and his personal conflict with Jimmy Dore. That he did not know the truth about the Kevin McCarthy of it all. And that once that was exposed, he didn't actually have any objection to the plan. So after that, there's a world where we could have moved forward and said, look, he's going to say, look, I made, it, I made a mistake. I don't think it's the best plan in the world. I might think the cost-benefit isn't up my alley, but it wasn't a bad plan. And I'm not going to make my whole personality about hating pork force the vote and hating Jimmy Dore. Well, he can hate Jimmy Dore. That's none of my business. Yeah. But, like, not for force the vote. <laughs> yeah.
9: You but know, that didn't happen.
1: And, by the yeah. way, this conversation with Chank, I, I, I had it because I genuinely wanted to bury the hatchet. I genuinely want to move past this. I genuinely would love to have Anna Kasparian on the show and talk about it. But at this point, I'm very skeptical that they can hear like the arguments aren't opaque at this point. Like they're not engaging with what we're saying. Nope, not at all.
8: It's just all petty high school bullshit. They, unfortunately they seem to lack the emotional maturity to engage with you know the the substance of the argument they just can't see past their own personal beefs and it's it's actually sad and i feel sorry for people who are still watching tyt and buying this bullshit hook line and sinker and then watching their videos like whoever slays you know or oh, <laughs> destroys i'm just like oh give me a fucking break you know yeah yeah but, yeah. oh, do you know what? To end on a lighter note, just because I know you have a shit ton of people waiting. <laughs> last time I called and I gave you a, a Trinidadism, which was peekong when you, you're giving somebody, uh, like you're ponging somebody. I said, you know what? <laughs> when, when I was, I joined the queue, I was like, I'll give her, I'll give her a new Trinidadism today. Oh, so, I love it. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, Americans, and I think anybody, Generally, the Western world you say like, okay, when you're being unfaithful, you're cheating on somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, in Trinidad, we say you got horn. So you, <laughs> you got know. horn.
1: Like yeah, the you horn got horn on a cow. Yeah, you,
8: you, well, just like horn, you got horn. So like, if you know your 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 girl and your your boyfriend is cheating on you with another girl, she she'd horn a woman. Or you got cheated oh. on. I didn't get cheated on. I got horn. So I said, you know what. I will share that with you. That that oh. a next a next Trinidadism to, to I like
1: that. Wait, just help me understand how do you spell horn? H-O-R-N. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah like a, got, like a trumpet. Okay.
8: Yes, cuz like when there was rumor circulating here that our prime minister's wife had cheated on him mm-hmm. and like everyone's social media was like, "Hey, p.m. get horn you know it's just just, just, you know just stupidness everybody's like oh (laughs) okay this
1: has to be a regular segment because now i i want to i want a new one every week
8: (laughs) well i'm more than happy there's actually a book um, well, I mean, I I doubt you get any states, but there's a whole book on like our lexicon and the different sayings that we have <laughs> for things. So, what is it? I think it's Kochuli, Kochuli, is the name of the book.
1: Um, okay, Kochuli, Kochala. Yeah. All right, but I don't I don't need Cochali Kochala. I've ha- I've got Chantel.
8: <laughs> yeah. So
1: I'll I'll, I'll make sure. Uh, make sure to bring
8: you a new ism each week. Okay.
1: I'm holding you <laughs> to that. Thank you so much for calling it. You've been terrific.
8: No problem. Keep the faith. Have a great night. Keep the faith. Get some sleep. Yes. I-
1: <laughs> all right. Back to the front of the line. Tyler, what's on your
7: mind? Hello. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. You are. How about yourself? I, what are you thinking about this evening?
7: I'm living from your, I want to say tirade, but I feel like tirade has a negative connotation. <laughs> but like just absolutely like cackling and rolling over here um <laughs> my partner and i i a big fan as well he's um down there in the listening area
1: um, <laughs> shout but... out to tyler's partner in the listening area
7: <laughs> yes, his name is sean he has the dog staring at you i think he's like second
1: row anyways oh um... hi cute sean oh <laughs> sorry i do love a dog avatar
7: yes that's our boy zeus but anyways okay <laughs> uh, i digress so everything you said just really resonated with so much that we talk about. We talk about all the time, how like civility is used as this like cudgel to get means across. And, you know, it. I instantly thought in your debrief today um, about, well, not your debrief today, your bad faith today, sorry, mm-hmm. about how that day when Pelosi made AOC cry and like change your vote. And I'm not going to try to defend AOC because we've seen such a shift there in record time, but, the same thing happening now with, you know, people trying to force the Lauren Borberts to change their vote to move forward X, Y, Z, and really trying to get people to fall in line and fall in step and how that's used consistently just to keep the hegemony where it is. And it's just, you know, I wish somebody would have said to force the vote two years ago. That's obviously sarcasm because everyone was saying it two years ago <laughs> it matters. Um, so I just really, you know, it's it just it feels so fulfilling even the bad faith was on brand with what's happening right now. Um, but what I, I have two quick things. I do want to be respectful. Cause I know there's so many people One's about the bad faith and then one's uh, a question about the force of the vote. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So, um, back in my past life professionally, I was actually a teacher. And one thing you guys talked about for only like eight to 10 minutes, like it was not a big part, but was about like the education system, this promise of college. Mm-hmm. And I taught 10th grade here in North Carolina, um, English specifically. And literally I was praised in my department because I did a thing called multiple choice Mondays and free response Fridays, not by choice, because I was told to by our curriculum facilitator to help the kids test better. And Mm. so it was a hundred percent to prepare them for the ACT because the ACT started getting used to assess quality of schools here in North Carolina, but also to prepare Mm -hmm. them for the standardized test. And it just made my skin crawl that we're I was teaching test taking. I wasn't teaching Mm -hmm. thinking. I wasn't teaching anything else. And we had to force every kid to sit through college application processes and going to the computer lab with college counselors, and they didn't want to go to college. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm a huge advocate for going to college. I really, really am. But forcing going to college, forcing a narrative, forcing a lifeline, and then holding people in debt forevermore over it is a fight. So it's just... uh, that you just rehashed all of these emotions from uh, my, like I said, my past life.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. What's so funny is that sometimes I get these this pushback around the like cancel student debt and free college conversation. Like, well, everyone shouldn't doesn't have to go to college, and you know, I <laughs> value And I'm like, I agree, but two things: one. You can't sit here and pretend that there are not enormous benefits to getting into especially certain kinds of colleges. And 100%. we should be actively working to flattening those hierarchies that exist, on, like, that are not right or based in anything just because you got a, you know, 1500 versus an 1100 in your SATs when you were 18 years old. And second, people who go to vocational school also have student debt, and money at no point should be a barrier to you getting whatever kind of training or education you need to live your most fulfilling life. Third, I would add, and I said this in the episode, I think education is a benefit in and of itself, and that I resist the idea that we're only talking about these opportunities as avenues toward remuneration as adults. And I think that everyone deserves to have a baseline understanding of the world because of what it means in terms of your civic engage, engagement, your personal reflection, your uh, ability to navigate psych, psych, your, you know, psychology and personal dynamics and art and literature and everything for the rest, whole rest of your entire life and be a full citizen. 3000%, the critical thinking skills, analyzing context
7: of where your information is coming from, digesting media in a meaningful way. You could not be preaching to the choir more. Um, and the fact that there's, you know. The fact that money is the threshold and the gatekeeper for that is just absolutely sickening. Yeah. So that leads to my question um, about your thoughts. I was watching um, CNN. Speaking of digesting quality media, um, and saw Rokana actually had a quick little interview on there about you know once again being willing to work with or vote for a moderate Republican um, depending on what they would agree to. I'm interested to hear. Do you find it more likely to see Democrats? cross the aisle to move a moderate republican into speakership or do you see these holdouts on the republican side who at this point if they do cave in look like they were obstinate for no reason um fall in line for McCarthy first what do you think is more likely to happen
1: so there's a classic episode of the fresh prince of Air where will smith teaches ashley how to defend herself in a fight and what he basically tells her is to act crazy And then everyone will be too afraid to fight her. And that's what comes to mind when I think of these 20 holdouts. There is a weird logic to their ideological inconsistency, their unwillingness to commit to any concrete demands. Like, it seems like they're a group with whom there's no real bargaining, right? which people are criticizing, but at the same time, is like, oh, I guess there's no negotiating with these terrorists. I gotta go make a deal with someone else. So um, there's a certain power in that. And as a consequence, it, it feels to me like you are more likely to get Democrats to bend than these um, folks, the, the holdouts to bend because they don't want anything. They want to just gum up the works and they're happy doing that. And like, there's nothing you can really offer them, which is, you know kind of based i mean i wish obviously i wish they were doing it for some substantive good but like you can't argue with their understanding of the power that they hold so yeah. like 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 i said the, the democrats they've said that they're not going to ever vote for mccarthy which is interesting i i want i'd want to hear more about that rationalization because i can imagine give there's different depending on the ask i think that there are definitely asks that would make it make sense. Maybe you want a bigger ask. Like, like, Think about this. Whoever it's not McCarthy, there's still going to be some terrible Republican. You know what I mean? Just like everyone was pretending there was some big difference between Nancy Pelosi and Hakeem Jeffries. Like, who cares? So if it's going to be just some terrible Republican anyway, I I care less about who it is than what you're getting in return. And I would rather get more in return with McCarthy potentially than ask for less and get McCarthy. That's, you know, 87% McCarthy.
7: Right. McCarthy zero sugar or whatever.
1: <laughs> right.
7: <laughs> um, I'll wrap up with one last thought that you said this actually to me on Monday when I called in as well, which is, you know, I said I didn't want to give Pence any credit. And you said it's one of those things where you wrestle with, like, how much praise do you give uh, someone's actions when they don't deserve them, so to speak? And I feel like it's almost the same thing here. Where, like, I never thought I'd be cheering for Lauren Bobert. I don't even think I say her name right, but never thought I'd be cheering for Elbow from colorado but here i am Mm -hmm. saying like stay strong don't cross the line Mm -hmm. to someone who i literally uh you know despise but
4: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) isn't that funny
7: yes so but yeah
1: yeah well thank you for calling in shout out to your partner and the puppy and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna keep hopping around keep the faith my friend
7: you as well bye-bye
1: bye-bye all right um jerry oh wait a minute where'd you go did you just next yourself what just happened there Jerry with these cute little monkeys. What's on your mind tonight? Oop. Did I not did I mess this up or did you mess this up, Jerry? Which one of us is the problem? Am I the problem? Am, am I the problem? I don't know what's happening anymore. Okay, I'm just scrolling. Um let's go to Case. Case, MVP in the chat right now because you have pulled some really terrific clips of late that clip of old girl from axios what's her name um that cute little black girl uh she's got a bunch of names alexi 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 goodness gracious she was in that scandal because she was dating that other reporter and all of that but that's none of my business i'm not here to begin in her business are you here case case i hear some ambient noise but you seem to be still muted i can come back to you case Oh, wait, is that Jerry? What's happening? Okay, I'm going to bring Jerry back up. I don't know what's going on. I think the wires got crossed. Oh, Are you here, Jerry? Uh, yeah, I'm
10: here. Sorry, I don't know what happened before.
1: No, no worries. I'm glad we made it through. What's on your mind tonight?
10: Oh, well, you for having me on. You know, one thing that's um, striking to me is I've been seeing a lot of people say, oh, you know, how can you consider this a good strategy when you see the GOP in disarray? You know, this is embarrassing to them. And what I don't understand is, you know, embarrassing uh nancy pelosi and the democratic party that alone would have been a great thing in my opinion
11: mm-hmm.
1: I and
10: mean, why do they have this loyalty to a party that's so hostile to their interests
1: exactly as someone put in the chat a little while ago um i would have liked to, my radar today was about how nancy pelosi made aoc cry on the house floor and it's like why are we still covering for her when she's obviously bullying all of the progressives? Why, why are the progressives still standing up for her? And they said in the chat, I would like to see Nancy Pelosi cry. And you know, like, I don't mean literally, but like, yeah, like exactly. Why are we not, you know, when something as egregious as that happens for, uh, for all that, everyone says that they love AOC and that's why they didn't want to do force the vote. Cause they wanted to protect her against big bad Jimmy Dore, It's like, Jimmy Dore didn't make <laughs> AOC cry on the house floor. And, force her to change her vote over Iron Dome funding despite all of these ideological principles about human rights abuses in Palestine. Like Pelosi did that. So why are we living in a world where there's more smoke for Jimmy Dore than there is for Nancy Pelosi? <laughs>
10: yeah. And you know it's it's um really disappointing to me to see first of all Hakeem Jeffries get, you know, made a speaker with or um minority leader without any debate at all. Right. And then uh you know, now that Nancy Pelosi is stepping down you hear so much about how you know wonderful she was, how inspiring she was, how she was the most effective you know speaker of all time. Uh, you know, effective at doing what? No one seems to have much of an answer for. I am wondering, you know, even if all all that they accomplished was sparing us a little bit of that kind of talk by uh, you know giving her the kind of humiliation McCarthy is getting now, I think that alone would have been better than nothing. Which is what the strategy of you know, not doing anything seems to have accomplished.
1: I agree, and people were like, "Well, they'll they'll be punished," and and they they tried to do this. They're doing this now, right? There was this moment where they were saying, "Oh, the people who are doing the holdouts, they're gonna have to get their committee position stripped. They're gonna be punished in all these ways." Fine. Like, mm-hmm. imagine a world because you got to think it through. If AOC says, let's say hypothetically that they're the ask, the big ask is the stock trading ban. If they say we're doing this because the American people deserve to have an uncorrupted government and we need to get rid of the stock trading ban. And Nancy Pelosi says, as a consequence, of you standing up for the American people, I'm stripping your committee assignments. Let her stand behind that in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. but that never happens, and they keep everything in private they don't tell us what nancy said to make her cry they don't tell us what coerce coercive techniques are being used behind the scenes they don't trust the public to stand with them and side with them if they expose the corruption of the party and they tacitly then end up covering for the party and aligning with that corruption and then they're going to be bad that they don't have the same confidence that the people that they once had or they do but the people jimmy Dore pointed this out on his stream last night the folks that are cheering AOC and the squad on in this moment are now folks like Jennifer Rubin, who have always <laughs> hated progressives. But now Jennifer Rubin, AOC, and Brett Byer are all on the same side.
10: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that's all I really had to say. And, uh, you know, even though the people who fought against you so much in the beginning aren't going to admit they're wrong and probably never will, I hope uh, you're taking some satisfaction at least. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Keep the faith. All right, Eric Smith, what's on your mind, my friend? Can you unmute yourself, Eric? Are you with us?
12: I'm here.
1: Hey, what's up? All right.
12: What is up? Oh, my God. So a lot's on my mind. The first thing that on my mind is the fact that I don't understand why this is so difficult to get. <laughs> and like it's like I'm like as like to the point where I'm like am I missing something am I not like why is it for them to understand that and the only thing I could come up with is that you don't really want obstruction to a system that has been screwing us over for decade after decade and I always like to me it's like Things won't change until there's an obstruction, and you mm-hmm. see, and one because like it. So I'm not sure if you've been paying attention, but um, if you follow, I'm pretty sure you do. Gary Chambers is the first person that actually posted something in a positive light about what the um 20 Republicans are doing right now. Oh, did he? Yes, he actually posted something. and He said like. I'm um, just Pretty much he's just like, even though I don't agree with what they're doing, you see when you have a cause that you believe in and you're willing to not care about what people think mm-hmm. and take the pressure, you can get what you want. And that's what it takes.
4: Wow. And he's like
12: the only, and like, and I want to like, one of the things I want to retweet that, but no one follows me. But I want to retweet that and be like, so you think Gary Chambers is an idiot?
1: Wow, wait, I Gary Chambers was supposed to come on the podcast a while ago and we never got it together. And this might be a good excuse to get him back in the mix. I'm I'm trying to pull it up now. My Twitter, by the way, has been so slow lately and apparently it's only me. Like it's almost unusably slow. I, I do all my searches on my phone and then text the links to myself because it's so it's like so slow for me to try to look up a tweet these days. Um, but thanks for flagging that for me. I mean, what what do you make of it? Hey, where did you, wait, where did cousin, What? Did, where did not cousin Eric just go? Did he next to himself? Oh, he yeeted himself. Wait, let me bring him back up. Eric, what do you, what do you think? Why do you think there seems to be this misunderstanding? What, and you your as you observe all the, the responses and Reddit threads and stuff today, you know, are, are people, do you think people are just like, are they not getting it? Are they not reading it? Are they just like, is a personality driven. I saw what what's this guy's name, um, Sam Moyen or one of those guys was tweeting about how they don't understand why the force of vote crew is seeing it as a victory today. And then admitted like, well, I don't I never really read up on it. Like, I don't I didn't really follow it that closely. And I'm like, I'm not mad at you, sir. But like you are saying you didn't follow it closely. Here's an article like there's plenty of material. Well, like, why I are we still doing this? Just keep your mouth I,
12: shut. Do you know what you're talking about? I think two things are happening. I think when you, first of all, for the people who aren't getting it, I don't think it's not they're not getting it. I think it's like what you said. When it comes to the TYT, when it comes to Sam Cedars of the world, it's because they do not like Jimmy Dore. I truly believe that's all it is. Because if you listen to why they're what, what they say about the force to vote and how it's childish and how, um, oh, you know, if you because they always point to one thing just the fact that you know medicare for all vote would fail
11: mm-hmm. medicare
12: for all vote would fail they never bring up the fact that no we had a whole bunch of different ass but if you look at and follow their logic then every single thing that they talk about doing mm-hmm. is they should they should be against because it's like oh why because if you if your issue with it is it looks destructive is it makes you look weak then you should be you should never be for anything that makes that that would have an disruptive effect. effect. Mm-hmm. You should never you should want the squad to get along to go along. You should want them to doing exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that's what they want. I believe what it is is literally simple. They don't like Jimmy Dore. He came up with it. It's all on him. It's his idea. And it's personal. And because of that, the people who follow the Sam Cedars and the TYT, they may not follow Jimmy Dora, understand the integral beef that going on. They trust them. So they be like, oh, it must be something wrong. There must be something inherently wrong with that. And I think the third is I think people like Ben Burgess, I just think, you know what? I know people sometimes you just you read too much. <laughs> Sometimes you read too goddamn much. And, it, and, like, people, like, I I do listen, I watch Ben Berger, I, I I agree with his thoughts, but sometimes it's like, you know what, you you need to put a book down. You need to put, put a book down and go vegetate and watch Rick and Morty. I don't know what. You read too much. And you can hear, because, like, sometimes I feel like when you read a certain amount, you are, like, it almost seems like... I never know where you stand now. Cause it almost seemed like, okay, well, do you want to be radical or you don't want to be radical? And and this is like sometimes I just want to tell people, like, stop reading. You read too much.
1: Yo, these people like I think I think they 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 like they like Congress. Like they like it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like part of the issue is that they they see themselves and maybe this is one of those like PMC class things, like I think they really see themselves, they identify with they like the order. chamber. Yeah, they identify with the process. They identify.
11: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's weird. It's like my whole my whole political, like I think I, maybe it was being raised by, you know, a mother who was not a Democrat and who was voting Green Party and who was always, like there, we weren't, at least in the political sphere, we weren't like in these team sport priors. I always was, I felt like an outsider. I was, you know, my 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 grandfather was a Nation of Islam and was a Black Panther and like I, like the idea that I whatever no matter how much privilege I personally accrued wouldn't be immediately skeptical of the FBI and the CIA the military industrial complex like I know what's on my bread is buttered on I'm like my instinct is to be like mm, I don't like that institution like they have never historically been on my side and, and what is- to to be looking at Congress and to be looking at Congress members like. Like I said in the episode, like in the Bad Faith episode today, like I, I liked AOC as much as anybody. You know? I, I didn't I didn't want to be in this position, but to be so credulous. Like at the end of the day, she's a congresswoman. She's a congress member. She's yeah, in a position of authority and power. She has a job and a responsibility. This isn't about personalities.
12: She has become a part of the cog in the system. She is a cog in the system and I'm sorry. I mean I mean not in this track. Everyone here is probably gonna agree with me. I don't Like, they aren't like this is what I wanted. Like, one of the things that, like, after seeing how willingly it's not like it would be one thing if they begrudgingly were like, oh, I guess I'll vote for Hakeem Jefferson. I'm not like it. I would get that, but it's not even like. Jamal Harris, you would think they were best friends growing up. Mm, Jamal Bowman, yeah. yeah and they're. Yeah, by Jamal the way... They're... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Jamal Harris. Uh. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> but <laughs> Jamal Bowman with Hakeem Jeffries, you would think they've been best friends since growing up. It's like, yeah. I don't... like.
1: Well, you, like, they're both you New York...
12: They're
1: Hakim New York congressmen. Like... Yes. Who've bent the knee to the Israel lobby. Mm-hmm. That's who they are.
13: That's and... who both
12: of them are, is... And then AOC on, um, I forget who she, I just saw a clip of her talking about how she wanted to show, like, we as a Democratic Party, we are united. I'm like, no, you're not supposed to be united. You're not supposed to be united with corporate Democrats. If there's no one showing why Nancy Pelosi is bad, why Hakeem Jeffries is bad, why, you know, the corporate Democratic Party is bad, the corporate Democratic you know Party is bad then you are shooting yourself in your foot for your own causes. Mm-hmm. And when you had, like, it was so crazy listening to Ro, Ro Khanna try to explain why. How, like, 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 do you know you're lying to yourself, Ro Khanna? Like, it makes no sense. There's mm-hmm. no reason you should ever support Hake Jeb, Hake, Hakeem Jeffries if he's not giving you something. Because he, to me, he's even worse, because I remember, I think you brought up a quote where you talked about how like any Democrat could run in AOC's district, the mm-hmm. same thing goes for Hakeem Jeffries. He mm-hmm. doesn't. Hakeem Jeffries does not need to be nearly as corporatist as he is. He doesn't have to
4: mm-hmm.
12: at all. He chooses to mm-hmm. because it personally benefits him
1: mm-hmm. he, he to get power within the Democratic Party, and he's been successful.
12: Yes, and that's all it is about. And then Rokana backs, and then Rokana when he says what he says, you carry water for that. And now, when I see that you carry water for that, and people understand that corruption, how can they trust you because you're backing that yep, and yep. that to me' is like i'm like it's I was like like I look at this, and then you know what all these people talking about you know what you at this point in time we're not getting a Medicare for all anytime soon, so that's how that's how I base my politics on. Are we moving anywhere? Are we gotten anywhere getting to what we want closer? And if the answer to that is no, then we need to do something different. We, you we need to do something different.
1: Stuff. Yeah. And, that's,
12: and then TYT and, you know, Sam Cedar. To me, at this point in time, I just really think, and I don't see them pushing anything further.
13: Mm-mm.
12: I don't see them putting new ideas out. I don't, like, so like, what's the point of your channel? What's the point of me watching this?
1: Mm-hmm.
12: Getting information I can just get up by listening, you know, following their, tw- their tweets.
1: Mm-hmm.
12: Like I find no purpose for them anymore.
1: Yeah, there's no creativity to the analysis. There's no, and that's I think that's the thing that really made force the vote as a strategy different. You know, it was there was like this combination of understanding some basic like strategic lever and the ability of people to actually do it, not like to vote for people who can do something, but can actually do something. And instinctually, everyone got it. Like all the regular people, 85% or whatever it was of TYT's audience got it. Just like all the conservatives and even, you know, us on the left and the Gary Chambers, whomever, get it with what's going on. <laughs> the girls who get it, get it. You know? <laughs> like, we all see it as plain as noses in our faces, but they, I don't know, it's like a really interesting psychological phenomenon. I, I do think there's something to the fact that they are part of the internet community that is reinforcing their worldview in a way that is not healthy I think that maybe if there were more independent creators you know Emma had her own show and Sam had his own show and um, you know all the people in the universe the TYT universe and the Sam Cedar majority report universe were different were separate then they would be you know they wouldn't have gotten yes anded with their wrong opinion so quickly and they might have been a little bit more porous to (laughs) other kinds of arguments
12: um, because before I go because I do I've noticed that with Sam Cedar on his channel Cause I remember when all of this was going on and when Sam Cedar wasn't there and it was like em- um, Emma Viglin and the other guys, the younger dudes that are on that show, mm-hmm. they weren't as hostile towards it.
1: Mm-hmm.
12: They had more of an think yeah, And I think it's because Sam Cedar will knock that shit down. And I don't think they are because you know, at the end of the day they work for him mm-hmm. and- don't think they are open with their radical. I think they're more radical than Sam Cedar.
1: Yeah, didn't what's her face get kind of bullied off the show? Jamie, Peck? I mean, that's what I think happened. They don't say that, but
12: that's what I think happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
12: I think there's a point in time where she almost got like I think uh, they they shut. She was talking. I think it was about forced to vote, and she was uh, more applicable to it. And mm. they almost kind of like shut her down. There was mm. something. And they shut her down about it. And it almost like, in a very flippant way about mm-hmm. it. Too, that, I, that just made me feel uncomfortable. I was like, why are you talking to her like this? But...
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that clip of AOC saying that, like, she has all the solidarity with Hakeem Jeffries. I, I'm telling you right now, outside of, like, an Independence Day scenario, where there's aliens attacking Earth, and we all have to uh, link arms to save humanity or whatever, <laughs> I will not be... Having, you know, community with Hakeem Jeffries. He's not, not on my team. Not <laughs> at I'll, all. You know, like sorry for everything to be a Will Smith reference today, <laughs> but like yeah, Biden. It depends on the aliens, like for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it's a Vulcan, you oh. know, a Klingon, hell, I'll take a Ferengi <laughs> over <laughs> over some of these Democrats. These corporate Democrats, Ferengi's have more more principles, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> At least Vul- Vulcans are logical. Vulcan's, Vulcans in a heartbeat. I'll yeah. take a Vulcan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
12: I would love a Vulcan.
1: <laughs> By the way, as Justin Amash was leaving the studio yesterday, uh, we walked out together and it turns out he made some reference to the Mirror Universe. I was like, oh, you're tricky? And he was like, yeah. So they're, they're Among Us. It, it seems like half the Congress <laughs> are, are tricky. That's one of the
12: things. I, like, I don't understand how you're a fan of Star Trek. That to me tells me you are uh, like like people who are a fan of Star Trek, and they don't get. That to me just to me they just for me sometimes I find people who are fans of Star Trek and I'm like oh you just watched the show because you found the show.
1: Well, this is what she I'm is saying, it. and she- I think I think Trekkies are like good people. So I said to Justin, I was like you. Did you know that Stacey Abrams and AOC were Trekkies? I said, we should all get together, since you want to be Speaker of the House. We should put together a show that's all of the congressional Trekkies trying to find solidarity around their mutual love of this show and to get to the basis of our ideological drivers. <laughs> this should be this should be a kind of um, Star Trek-based bipartisan therapy session.
12: <laughs> well, I'll let I'm going to try to make you. it
1: happen. Yana Zavira can come.
12: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll let you oh yeah you gotta have Giannis, but I'll let you go. We so can get to this queue. I keep the All favorite. right.
1: Thanks for calling in, Eric. All right, here I go. Hippity hoppity hopping around looking for some fresh faces, looking for some gender diversity. You know how I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see you. I see you. I see you. Oh Hey Feeny!
5: hey friend girl you just caught me girl i literally just i'm gonna have to catch her next time
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: no i'm glad I, i'm
1: glad i got you in time what's on your
5: mind tonight um you know i just really a lot of people have said some of the same similar things that i wanted to say um but I just think it's really interesting to see somebody like a network like TYT, who over 80% of their audience supported this idea. Mm -hmm. And then y'all are talking all this shit um, about people that actually supported this idea. And it's really frustrating because I've been in a couple of um, like Democrat spaces just because I organize a lot in uh, Prince George's County, Maryland, which is a Democrat stronghold. I mean, a lot of those people are, like, corporate Democrats, established Democrats, and when you hear of the way that they, like, even they talk about, you know, what is happening with the Republicans, you can see that what happened two years ago definitely negatively affected how people on the, like, liberal side of, you know, the spectrum, how they view what is going on right now. And so it's just really frustrating as an organizer, um, like on the ground that's trying to advance some of these ideas who still trying to talk about more radical policies. Um, because I mean, I don't know about you, but it doesn't, I don't give a fuck how many people want to be abolitionists. Mm-hmm. I'm an abolitionist through and through mm-hmm. Like, And it's a very lonely world to do the work that we do. So I don't know, I guess I'm just, I'm just overall just looking around and just trying to figure out where our momentum is going to come from. Um, the strike didn't happen with the railroad mm-hmm. workers, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, labor movement that is happening right now isn't getting the same amount of coverage. So people mm-hmm. aren't really, you know, standing in as much solidarity as they used to. So it's just, I don't know. I'm really interested to see like what's going to happen in 2024. And I I just can't help but think, especially after hearing your your uh, radar earlier this week, and um, you were just talking about like what the discourse could have possibly looked like um, if this was – 2021, and and we were actually moving forward uh, with progressives actually forcing, um, deciding to force the vote.
11: Mm-hmm. Exactly
5: how would have a Chuck Todd and Ari Melber, one of them, uh, a Chris, a Chris Cuomo, he was still on television back then. How mm-hmm. would they have gone on television and said? Well, these crazy progressives want to give people health care during a deadly pandemic mm-hmm. in a country where 68,000 people were dying without health care or mm-hmm. affordable housing or literally insert any social issue here. Mm-hmm. How fucking crazy would they have sounded? Like, even now, like, yes, I definitely I'm like, I'm not cheering on the Republicans, but I, I'm definitely like watching with a little bit of green eyes, as you said, mm-hmm. because it's like, what the hell? Like, they, they, These motherfuckers aren't even asking for shit that is like tangible to the american people and their base is still supporting them yep just imagine just imagine how much bipartisan support we could get like you know within the constituency among like medicare for all to tackling the surveillance state like y'all want to like shit y'all y'all don't want to do medicare for all that is something that republicans agree with, agree on is the you know the amount of illegal surveillance that happens on America. Try that. Just Mm -hmm. do fucking anything. And so now you have these people who had, who were just so fucking wrong, who were so loud and wrong. And instead Mm -hmm. of actually admitting the fact that they were wrong. And so that we can start to move forward as a movement. They have decided to just to stand 10 toes down on their bullshit. And it's just so frustrating because even if they were willing to say like, Hey, you know what? We fucked up, y'all. It is what it is. Like, if they, even if they don't want to fully acknowledge, like somebody said, how are we going to move forward in 2024? What is the game plan moving forward? And this time, we're actually listening to the pe- to the people that are organizing on the ground. And this time, mm-hmm. we're actually listening to the farther side, the farther uh, left spectrum of our, you know, big tent. Whatever the fuck is going on right now, like, god damn it, like just listen because we are like a lot of us are the people that are that are either working in the streets. Or constantly in contact with people that are, that live in poverty or that are, are working class people, like, and we're advocating for those voices. Period. So I mean, I don't know. I, yep. I just think at this yeah. point we're going to be again real lonely in 2024. Yeah. And if Marianne does decide to run, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a, a fucking shit show, a disaster because there is a good portion of the people that, that call themselves leftists, that have bar- branded themselves leftists, who have gotten so much capture of a left audience that are actively funneling people back into the establishment Democrat, like, t- like you know, tent of the party. So, yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it has become increasingly clear to me that, and I, have to, I haven't talked to her, I haven't hung out with her a while, so I, I have to put this to her. But it seems very clear to me that her success relies on her being very, you know, if she wants to be successful, being very clear about her willingness to do a dirty break, her willingness to be openly adversarial and hostile to the Democratic Party, yeah. uh, and her willingness to do to to make to run the kind of campaign that hasn't been run yet, because I think people have advised been advising Bernie and Nina Turner and folks to take a safer approach, to not lean all the way in. Mm-hmm. Look, no one's really done what we are hoping folks will do. And I want to honor that that's like a scary choice and that yeah. this is people's real lives and time and money that they're dedicating to this kind of a project. However, I frankly don't think it's worth doing unless you do it our way at this point. We tried it. Bernie was the best version of this kind of more moderated, safe, insider run. He did it twice. He execu- Like I'm not saying the campaign didn't have its problems and things could have been done better. But the thing that ultimately defeated Bernie was a consolidation of centrist interests in the corporate the corporate party allying against him. Like, that's just what it was. Should he have been able to predict that and have so such huge majorities that he could get past that and overcome the $70 million of free media that Biden got after South Carolina and like all of that? Yeah, I mean, yes, it was all predictable. But realistically, is Marianne going to do better than that? I don't want to be negative, but like it's not at all a discredit to Marianne, but Bernie had the sing, it was kind of a singular quality. And so, I don't know, it, it, it's tough. And you're right, I am a green eyed monster. Call me Giselle Bryant, <laughs> call me Robin, because I am with the green eyed monster click <laughs> right
5: now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so pissed off. I'm so pissed off because, you know, it's like they're not even doing it. Like I said earlier, like they're not doing it for real substantive reasons. Like, yes. You know, like whatever their cause is, is, is what it is. And clearly it's white supremacists and all that good stuff. And it's, it's not going to do anything good for working class people in America. But it's just, I, I just can't help but think like the amazing amount of things that we would have done. Because honestly, they, like Nancy Pelosi stepped down. So exactly what did she do over the past two years that y'all were trying to, uh, you know, preserve her spot for other than walk around in them fucking annoying ass heels well, they in those were ass suits. Right. <laughs> what they were what they were saying was, Oh, we can't oust Nancy Pelosi
1: because then Hakeem Jeffries would be speaker. Tell me, make it make sense. But, we all I mean, knew that he was gonna be the speaker <laughs> anyway. And people were like, Well, he's gonna be worse than Pelosi. How exactly? He's exactly like Pelosi, except for he's marginally and less he's powerful
5: younger. because he's because he's not not been in that spot for so long. And he's not as scary as Pelosi. And he's younger, he's black, so all of this all this bullshit identity politics that they're fucking that they're trying to like hang on to right now. Like, he has the, unfortunately, that, that identity part, politics armor in front of him that is going, that is quoting going to Biggie, a lot Biggie lyrics, lyrics
1: going to be and, and dapping up Jamal Bowman in the pews of the, oh, of the God, Congress.
5: God. I can't stand it. Ugh. <laughs> but before i hop off here i just really wanted to quickly say like i heard you say earlier that people are underestimating you and you did not know why Bree, we all know why okay <laughs> at least i shit. you know i know why goddamn <laughs> okay and all i would say is like you know they're fucking brilliant as hell and that's the reason why they're all trying to tear you down if they, like, if they weren't if they didn't know that you were fucking right they would not be attacking you as hard as they are they would not be trying to discredit you as much as they as much as they are so
1: you well, know i appreciate that I, you, I heard you doing a damn thing, me. Thank you, Afini. Thank you. I, I'm glad you called in tonight. Keep the faith. You too, bye, friend. <laughs> bye, bye, friend. All right, Aaliyah. Oh, by the way, I think I saw was it was it Jimmy Dore who was saying on his stream last night that I also you know and I experience you know I wish Brianna would move on with her life and stop talking about this. You know, and Jimmy says, yeah, if I were really loud and wrong about something, I also wish every would wish everyone would move on and stop talking about it. And I think that's, that's true. I think it's embarrassing for them. There's nothing complicated or angry-making about this for me because, you know, we were right. <laughs> but Aaliyah, what's on your mind tonight?
13: Oh, my God. Avery, Uh I feel like I got PTSD from this <laughs> whole force the vote debacle. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I remember seeing that Sam Cedar debate and being just so frustrated with him. And just it, it just... Yeah, there was a lot, a lot going on. And now it is back to to haunt all of us. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess, again, we were proven right, um, because obviously, but Hassan don't piss me off. OK, because he is in that camp, too, where he is just against forced to vote. And I was like, not you, too, Hassan, just get mm-hmm. please, because I agree with you on like 90 percent of the mm-hmm. things. And like- well, what's he been saying? So I just so happened to stop by his stream yesterday um, at the perfect time, I guess, because he was reacting to that um, AOC interview that she did on, Mm -hmm. I don't know, MSNBC or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, because he was covering all of this. And he was like, well, someone in his chat was like, what do you think of the force the vote people using this as proof they were right? And he was like, this literally shows that they were wrong. You're not going to be able to get them to recognize that because they're more so just motivated by wanting to feel right. He also said this is a perfect demonstration. Why force the vote would be stupid. I mean, we he called this apparently. I didn't know his um, views on it at the time, but clearly... Um, he was on the wrong side. So he also said they wanted to put a Medicare for all bill on the floor, which would have gotten eviscerated, as we've just heard time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone in the chat said, uh, what would voting on Medicare for all done? I still haven't seen an actual adult answer to this basic question. Biden ran as an anti Medicare for all candidate. And one, like, what are they even talking about? And Hassan was like, exactly. I was like, shut the fuck up. And then he was like, at the the time, I told you that if that concession came through, all it would have showed to everyone in the fucking media, especially after Joe Brandon won as the anti-Medicare for All candidate, all it would have proven is that no one wants this. Americans don't want this. When Americans do want this, it would have been a horrible way to advocate for Medicare for All. And someone in chat said to put them on the record as to, you know, why or what would have been done or whatever.
11: Mm-hmm. And
13: Hassan was like, I know, but, like, we already know that they don't want that shit. Joe, Joe Biden was on the record when he said he's running against Medicare for All. They're very much on the record already. And that was just about the end of that. I feel like there was not enough pushback in the chat because I was like, damn, I, I really would. Yeah, look, he should come on. He was on the first
1: episode of Bad Faith if I recall correctly, and he should come back to the podcast. So maybe I'll I'll reach out. We're overdue for a conversation. I would, again, I invited Cenk on Bad Faith. Um, He declined and would only talk to me on Young Turks, so I went on Young Turks. Um, We'll see what Hassan has to say. Look, I think, you know, Cenk is his uncle, and he is part of that community, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me that he would have a certain opinion based on the arguments that he's heard. Look again, this comes back to the underestimating me and why it's so annoying because I went out of my way during Christmas to write an article in the middle of COVID so that people didn't have to think about Jimmy Dore if they didn't want to. I wrote a whole article that you don't have to watch a movie. You don't have to watch a a clip. You don't have to look at Jimmy Dore. Like you can pretend Jimmy Dore doesn't exist and just write this art, read this article that is the case for why strategically this matters. It links to David Sirota's article. It opens the floor up to any ask you want in the world. It just describes the strategic mechanism. And these people, like, I remember when I was debating Sam Cedar, and he says he never read the article. It's like, <laughs> imagine the hubris. Like, before I debated him, I listened to what he was saying on his show. Right. Imagine debating someone and not even taking, like, a passing interest in what their take is before you go on the air with them. And so, like, I I, I think that there might be a really productive conversation to be had with Hassan because I think he's a much more reasonable conversational person than some other people in that sphere who, even though he has disagreed with force the Vote throughout, hasn't been quite as sneering and dismissive and patronizing as other people have been. And I suspect that he, like so many others, has never actually listened to me (laughs) make an argument because, I'm sorry, there's a fundamental lack of respect for me. And that pisses me off, but at the end of the day, I know how to cure that real quick. So I am happy to have a conversation with him, and I will – thank you for the reminder. I'll go ahead and I'll reach out because I think that could be perhaps a way to really start to heal the rift in the community because, you know, getting him – if not on our side, like, my goal is not for him. My goal would not be to get get him to agree that a floor vote for Medicare for All is a good ask. Mm -hmm. This is what I would want him to acknowledge. One, that the ongoing debate that's happening in Congress right now is evidence that the technique itself works. That there is a hostage situation that a small number of House members can inflict on the rest of Congress in exchange for anything they want. And if you agree to that, if you can see that that's what's happening, it's not about what they're asking for, whether you think it's meritorious, who's asking for it. If you just agree that that basic mechanism is obviously proving, proven to be true, that's a thing that can happen. It doesn't make the other party speaker automatically speaker. None of that is true. If you acknowledge with your eyes what is happening, obviously, then the subsequent question is, okay, even if you don't like Medicare for all is the ask, why did, would, don't you think it would have behooved them to ask for something at the time and what did they gain from not doing so right that's it I, i'm not trying to go around and around in circles about the medicare for all i want to be really clear i think medicare for all is a great ask but i also think there's probably 10 20 other asks that are equally good or even better but I, I you know i'm not i'm not the congressional expert i would love for other people to put their minds on this and come up with stuff I had no, there wasn't a thought in my mind about Nancy Pelosi and the stock bill back then. Cause that just wasn't an issue that was in the zeitgeist, but maybe someone like David Dan or someone who's been following these issues more closely would know that that's something that should have been on the table even two years ago. So I, I'm, I would love to hear other people's ideas. What I cannot countenance is a posture that says using leverage
13: is bad. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree and I would love to to see Hassan on the pod because um, he's one of my favorite voices on the left and obviously he's really popular now and yeah. has a huge audience. So I would like for him to be on our side. Of- on this concede. <laughs> you know, just concede a little bit. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I just wish, you know, again, kind of repeating the same things people may have already said, but I just wish... The Democrats would have, you know, the progressives would have had this energy um, that's that's happening now and utilize their numbers, you, you know, the the numbers you do have to to your advantage, uh, do something, because um, I feel like that's clearly like the main reason why you were voted in. I don't know, maybe just, yeah, just me, um, but yeah and i love what thomas frank said in the episode he was like it sounds like basic politics to me yeah yeah, yeah th- th- that's what it is i i don't like why yeah, that's is the thing. i think
1: what might be useful is to get someone who is less polarizing than me because like those people even like someone like Hassan or chink they respect Cornel west they respect um chris hedges maybe what would be good is like chris hedges hassan piker and myself something mm-hmm. like that
13: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: um because I you know, again, like the lack of respect for me is one thing, but is someone gonna tell Cornell West that he is just a MAGA Jimmy Bugaloo
13: boy or whatever? Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that would be that would be awesome. Um and I definitely Need to read, listen, liberal. I think I'm gonna. Add oh, it's so my, good to my to to be read list because I've it, actually never read like a political book before. So I. Oh, played. I hate them. I
1: yeah. <laughs> struggle with nonfiction so hard. Like I have yeah. to read. Like I have to wake up early tomorrow and try to binge read How to Blow a Pipeline for an interview that I'm doing tomorrow around noon. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate, I hate, I hate, loathe reading nonfiction. It's like snooze city. But listen, liberal, I ripped through like it was one of the sexy romance novels I used to steal from my mom in middle school. Like (laughs) I I sucked it down because it was like it was like he was describing everything that was happening around us in 2016. It was incredibly an incredibly timed book. And he gave me the framework to really understand what happened to the Democratic Party and how we got this right populist shift that we all were just living through. In, in as in the trump hillary primary in general and then at the end of the, like a month after i finished the book like trump wins and when everyone was so surprised and shocked i was like well you should have read listen liberal because the writing was on the wall it's like it's so good
13: mm. yeah i i'm definitely gonna have to cop that one because it's it's probably gonna be very very enlightening uh after seeing all that we've seen thus far but yeah yeah, uh, that's that's all I had. Just just wanted to rant a little bit because you know, you know, just just needed to talk to someone about that. <laughs> I I so. get that. I get that, Aaliyah. <laughs> I'm glad you called in. Yes, thank you, Bree. Keep the faith. Have a good night. Keep the faith. You too. Um, let's
1: go to Jan, who is a new avatar and looks like they might be a new caller, a first time caller. Oh, Jan? Oh.
14: Hello, Janos hello, Briana. Can you hear me?
1: Whoa. hi. Are, are is it Jan or is it?
14: Jan? Uh, it's 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 uh, pronounced Jan. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. calling from Germany, from your German listening community. Okay. Oh, I love that. Uh, my what English time is, is it? not. Oh, it's very late. Uh, it's uh, almost four a.m. But oh, I'm I'm a little bit ill, so I'm oh. I'm having the week off uh, with a uh, small COVID uh, or something like that, the flu, or I don't know. I don't really okay. care because. Not so, not so bad. I, just okay, wanted, well, I
1: hope you're um, to... getting some rest. It doesn't sound like it, but I appreciate you staying up to talk to us. I'm, it's,
14: I'm it's on the, on yes, I'm, I'm getting better. So I wanted I to call you. the first time because I'm a long-time listener. I, um, I of course, just for, for, I have two questions about First World and the other issue that's close to your heart, um, student debt, but because of mm. from a German perspective. But um, let's start just introducing how I'm, get to know you of course i was listening before a lot to noam Chomsky and chris Hatches and yansar farkas and i don't know uh richard um wolf or mark mm-hmm. life or some size of that. and came across your famous uh interview with uh, noam Chomsky. somebody mm-hmm. who had the hubris to challenge him was very interesting and at the time, I wasn't even that sure that I need, I, I was sure your arguments are good. But of course, it's Noam Chomsky. So I didn't was sure enough. Is he not maybe right? You yeah, know, me the lesser ego. <laughs>
1: me but, too. I but, didn't go into that thinking, oh, I'm going to yes. definitely win this one. I was like, I have some thoughts. Let's see if Noam Chomsky yes. has a response that changes my mind. And, you know, mm. my mind wasn't
14: changed. But now, uh, in hindsight, um, seeing joe biden you know and we are in germany on the steps of world war three you know my family is mm. uh, originally from ukraine we took some families in um mm. we you know the whole war stuff i think just uh i'm not a trump fan but i think it's possible that if he stayed president we wouldn't be on the brink of war or World War free you know just mm-hmm. just to put some something or we wouldn't have our pipeline blown out of the water, possibly and very likely by the United States mm-hmm. and the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, you know. Mm-hmm. So from our perspective, uh, the biggest p- threat to peace is always the United States, you know. It's, it's, it's a perspective shared, uh, in a lot of, among countries, you know. So, but, uh, I will, I would want to get to the, to a different um, question. Well, today, just a small question. The first one, the first of World question. Um, today I was reading a lot of comments just, because forced the vote was such an interesting issue two years ago, and still people are writing and writing, it's a loser issue. It's a, how can you believe in it? And I cannot I grasp how is it possible seeing Joe Manchin doing the strategy behind force the vote to withhold your vote and to get some concessions,
11: mm-hmm.
14: is doing it for two years straight mm-hmm. and getting everything is called by his friend's president Joe Biden, uh, Joe, mm-hmm. Joe, Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. And and not grasp that this is working. I mean, it's mm-hmm. working in, on the Senate floor. It would we, it would work on a House floor. I cannot um, get my mind around it that people are still not getting that the strategy. You don't need it only for the speakership. or You can use it every day when a bill comes around. So it's crazy.
1: That's such a solid point. I mean, we've I mean, seen versions of this. I mean, so my radar today on rising... I, I know I sound pedantic, but like I feel like I have to go through that whole history of what we've experienced these last two years. I didn't wake up on the first day of Biden's presidency and say, Oh, the progressives are gonna get nothing and you know, this is this is a bummer. I said, Well it's not likely given what we know about Joe Biden, but let's see what happens. And then what happened? Immediately they threw the fifteen dollar minimum wage under the bus. Mm-hmm. They converted it from a fifty vote issue to a sixty vote issue, and then killed mm-hmm. it. And then Mansion and Cinema and a bunch of you know, Republicans killed it. They could blame it on them instead of blaming it on the Democratic Party as a whole. <laughs> then they bifurcated hmm. the Bill Back Better bill. Then they made the AST cry over the over the iron vote dome vote and, and, and bent her twisted her arm about that. And on and on and on. They there was um uh there was a stuff before. A lot of women. <laughs> I'm sorry?
14: A lot of winning. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it,
1: but, I mean, but right. But you so mentioned
14: did the strategy. I mean, he did it right. again and again and again. Right. I mean, it's crazy.
1: Right. So and and they understand just, the mm-hmm. bifurcation of the Build Back Better is really like a tacit admission that they understand the power of a must-pass bill. Same with the fight for 15. They understand mm-hmm. that, the, that the, the, the progressives had the leverage to kill important legislation. They didn't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So they took the stuff off. They just took the $15 minimum wage out. They took the the human infrastructure yes. bill out of it so that progressives would no longer have that leverage. The establishment understands leverage. Progressives mm. just sit there acting like they don't.
14: It's crazy. But the other issue I wanted to talk to you that's more closer, I, I maybe can provide some some other um, view on it. Um, my English is not that good. I have a lot of word no, vo- vocabulary. Excellent. I can. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot get to them. I understand everything, but uh, they are hidden somewhere in my brain. But the other <laughs> issue, you know, student debt or medical debt are are mm-hmm. words. I need to go- take Google on it to to understand what is the German word for it. We don't have mm-hmm. this phrases in Germany like student debt or medical debt. So I always. Um, fascinated, um, and I have some relatives in, in the United States, why they are not coming over here to study. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't own, you don't, of course, there are some um, study classes you need to learn German, but there are a lot you don't need to learn their German. You can uh, study the whole um, um, uh, uh, issue, what you're wanting, of course, not to be a lawyer like you, but maybe physician or engineer or um in for, uh IT guy whatever in in English mm-hmm. so it was always for me very interesting we we take uh, from every country of the world we we take people in so i started in berlin we have people from all around the world here studying more or less for free it's not very for free because you have to pay like every semester 600 to 700 euro it's like yeah. 600 700 us bucks <laughs> but you get a public transportation card for it and you can use the public transportation is very good uh, day and night and so there is no time of a, of a day or night you you will not be able to get a bus or a metro or um, underground um, um whatever you want mm-hmm. so so you get something even for the 600 700 bucks you pay every semester so it's uh, it's not bad, you know, and you go off with no student debt. I know it's it's maybe you need to take a, some exams in the United States, for example, to be a physician in the United States, you will need to take two exams. Um, you have to prepare for them. But there are roads to getting your education in Germany or in Europe and then work in the United States. Mm. And uh, it's always interesting that not many people choose to do it because student debt in a consequence is, is it makes you a slave uh, yep. to the establishment, to the capitalism, to, to the society you're living in. You cannot break out of it. You cannot yep. decide, I, I will rock the boat. That's not possible for you. You have to pay it off or whatever, you know. Yeah. It,
1: it's, so so to answer your question, hmm? I went to international high school. So a lot of my friends did go to college outside of America precisely because of student debt. So a lot of my friends either went to, like, University of Toronto, um, other Canadians, with McGill. Um, some A lot of people go back to their home countries and study. My best friend, I remember she got into, like, Wash U, which was, like, the number seven school in the country at the time, and ended up going back to Estonia because, I mean, there was just no mm-hmm. – there's just no world in which her parents were going to be able to afford $40,000 a year or whatever it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it's crazy. And, and like, like an and American mentality though is very different. An American mentality says that the ranking of your school is so important that if you get into a school like that, that is ostensibly an Ivy league, you know, a top 10 school, then it is your obligation to go to it because of the opportunities that will accrue as a consequence which puts you on a really creepy treadmill because that presumes that you're going to have a certain kind of major and a certain kind of job and that you're now in a, in a world where the only reason you've gone to this school is to try to earn money. And if you grow up and decide that that's not actually what you want to do, you don't want to be a lawyer or a doctor or some hiring profession, now you just have all of this debt and no one really talks to you about that aspect of it. And at, at that time, you know, you're a kid. You don't really... No, all you know is that there's this overwhelming pressure that says, how could you turn down this opportunity? Moreover, a lot of Americans, they don't have passports, they've never traveled, they don't have a sense. Americans don't even know. Like, we're so propagandized, we don't even know that other countries have free college. We don't Ooh. even know.
14: That's that's crazy to me because so much debt to take on and not to consider. You know, in Germany, all universities are more or less equal because we, they get paid by the amount of students they take in so even if you go to a bigger one they have more or less okay they have more money but they will spend it because they have more students so it's not and the exams the the big exams you have to take they are all identical for this semester so Mm -hmm. uh, and we i think everybody who goes to university knows it all depends on yourself how good you are as a student I, I'm sorry, you can't have the best teachers around uh, um, you learn to learn for yourself. you will not get everything for like in school from 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 the professor in mm-hmm. front of you. You need to mm-hmm. read a lot of books uh, nobody tells you about you have to find out things you've proven at the end that you can learn everything by yourself uh, that's that's what what uh, yeah, I got a paper no. but well,
1: that's not how we do it. <laughs> we're paying you there's not even people don't even really believe that the quality of education at Harvard is like that much better than the quality of education at Rutgers let's say Mm -hmm. like there's I mean I'm not saying there's not differences between schools um, but in terms of like you know, in, in, in terms of how competitive a school, like so, Records is a, a, a state school in New Jersey. Like, the, it's a good one. You know, like, University, you know, there are a lot of good, very good state schools. Like, the quality of education is not meaningfully different. What you're paying for is the prestige. And the social contract is that you are gonna get an edge over all of these other students for the rest of your life, all these other graduates for the rest of your life, because you tested well on an exam when you were 18 years old and in high school that Ooh. said you got to go to this fancy school and therefore because you played the game, you were going to get the privileges for the rest of your life. So it's a way to, con- um, to to aggregate privilege in people who already have it and keep the social hierarchies in line because how do you get into Harvard? Well, you have to have, you know, you, you take you, you do SAT testing. You pay for private tutoring. You pay for violin lessons. You pay for overseas travel so you can put that on your resume. Some people pay to have their resumes, frankly, written by other people. I have, I've got friends from college who worked all of these kind of sketchy jobs after we graduated because people love to pay a Harvard student to help them get their kid into Harvard. And they'll pay a lot of money to facilitate, to, so like, walk them through that process and, like, learn how to play the game. You have to have letters of recommendation from people who are also Harvard graduates or who sit on somebody's, uh, you know, the board of overseers or something like that. Like I want to be like very transparent. Like this is what is happening. And it means that rich and privileged people for the most part in legacies comprise the majority of the classes at these institutions. And they just keep recreating themselves. And the idea of a place like Germany or other places in Europe mm-hmm. where there's like whatever, I mean, you know, obviously these countries are much smaller than America, but like where there's whatever five, ten major co- colleges and everybody goes to one and they're all ranked the same. Like maybe the best one's 20% more esteemed than the worst one. Like that, like Americans have an active revulsion to that idea because they feel like, well, how will everybody know that I'm better than everybody else? <laughs> like they don't like if you, if you ask someone who went to an elite school, like should they cancel Harvard? Like should we flatten the hierarchy, everyone starts to get real itchy and uncomfortable because we all know how much we benefit from the hierarchy. The person who Harvard, from Harvard knows they benefit over the person from Rice. The person from Rice knows that they benefit over the person from University of Arizona and on and on and on. Like everybody knows it and nobody wants to say it out loud. And in fact, what's really perverse is that we act as though college is the path to meritocracy, Like the Bill Clinton clip that our producer, Armand put in today's episode, they were telling us for years in the nineties that the reason that you would have anything ever went wrong in your life and you were ever poor was because you weren't educated enough and that that was the path to mass equality. Poor people just had to go to college. But of course, poor people pay more for college than rich people because poor people have to pay interest on their loans and rich people just pay out of pocket. I had to tell off one of my rich friends' parents recently about that because they were like, well, my kid paid full price. And I was like, "Bitch, you can afford to pay full." I didn't say "bitch." This is a parent, mm. but you know, what I mean? like, you can afford to pay full price. I paid more than your kid to go to a school that costs the same as your kid, and my parents didn't have all that money. How is that fair? I paid more. <laughs> I just paid over a longer period mm. of time. I'm paying like sixty thousand dollars. I think I think ten year period, which is now longer for me because I had to pay mm. less when I left the law. But like over a 10-year period, my $180,000 student loan I think becomes a $250 loan with interest, a $250 payment, you know?
14: I understand that fully, fully, but I give you just an example. I I went to medical school, so human, human medicine, uh, studying it. And I had a fellow student who told me uh, from day one, he wants to work in America, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, how would you do? How will you do it? And she not only told me that she did it. So he studied for six years in Germany, did everything, made his exams, was good student and prepared for uh, the United States exam and then he went to Ivy League school for two semesters and did it okay Mm -hmm. he paid of course but he took a shortcut I think and and didn't put up so much debt on his credit card so Mm. to speak Uh, his family was rich but but that doesn't matter he he had a plan and he did it and he could invest the most part of his um, being student in Germany so It didn't cost him so much. Mm -hmm. I just want to suggest to your listeners, come to Germany. First of all, just so you know, we are looking for employees. Mm -hmm. And we are looking for employees from everywhere. And we took them from all around Europe. So mostly from Portugal, Spain, Greek, Italy. They're all here already. And we still have not enough employees. So we are looking for everybody. And um, like um, most of Europe is, and... um, you will get a job here. You get single payer health care. You get everything you, you are fighting in the United States for. No gun violence. You know, the whole issue about abortion is not an issue si- mm. since the 70s, I think. And um, you get the full package. You can live here. There is a big um, um, US community if you want to uh, be part of it. I went, uh, you know, the app meetup.com. I went um, to meet up some just because 2016 was so interesting with Bernie Sanders uh, entering the race, I went to Democrats abroad mm. and one, just to listen to them, what are they talking about, the primaries? Mm-hmm. I was, of course, very disappointed because they didn't talk about the primaries at all. They was just um, trying to get more people signed up to vote uh, abroad. Yeah, I remember but, I did uh, some
1: work with them during the campaign. I remember, so they mm-hmm. ended up endorsing Bernie Hillary. or like a pl- plurality of the members. I don't know if there was official endorsement process, but what was so interesting was that because they were living overseas and mm. so many of them were in Europe and they were exposed to, you know, how a reasonable country works, mm. they all were like, obviously Bernie, Bernie is the one, like, obviously this okay. is common sense. And they were producing a video for the campaign saying as much that like no one who lives in a, like a normal country would ever mm. think that there was even a choice in the primary for anyone okay. other
14: than Bernie. Well, they didn't talk about it anymore because I visited them after the primaries over again, mm-hmm. and then there was no talk, no talk about the primaries. Please, not uh, discuss it. We are just now Hillary on and on, and that's it. So, or, or no?
1: Well, look, I think yes. I think you've sold. I think Jan, you've sold us all on mm. moving to Germany. I mean, that's literally what my parents yes. did, right? My parents moved mm-hmm. overseas because the economics were not economizing for us in the United States of America. Mm. Like it just, they, they saw the cost. They saw the quality of the public school. they saw the cost of the private school. They saw their salaries and they were like, this isn't cutting it. Um, and again, like I said, so many of my friends and people do that, but like, well, also people like their homes. People want to mm. be in their own communities. Like, I, I don't think that any immigrant population should have to move just because like, you know, the people who are, you know, walking across you know, Central America, the people who are fleeing various regimes around the world, like everyone would prefer to be home. Um, mm. And I, I, I like I, at the same time that we talk about wanting to make immigration flexible, I also think that we should talk about doing what we can do to make the conditions in the home countries palatable and not like putting their environment or running a drug war or do, doing all these other kinds of things. And it's true for America. Like I don't want the only solution to be that we all have to flee – flee America as much as I completely agree with you that there are so many better opportunities that exist all over the place and Americans um, and we got to get our passports and we got to open our eyes to the fact that, I mean, the the one other point I did mm -hmm. want to make though is I think that there is, America makes it intentionally difficult at times to respect international degrees. So there's Mm. some colleges that people are very familiar with, you know, McGill, you know, Oxford, whatever. Mm. But, but outside of that, I think that it's sometimes like, because there isn't the hierarchy in other countries, it's hard for it to translate back in the United States. And there is this perception that like, at least if you can get into a kind of a a good, an elite school in the United States, it's better to take the hit and get the credentialing in the United States than to go to a school with a more flat, non-hierarchical education system and not be able to like brag about it when you get back home
14: well we changed our education system to get uh, international standards so we had diploma and now we have bachelor and master I know, so but we God, changed cares.
1: it like i agree with you like americans i'm just trying to lay it to you straight like there's, I, I there's crazy hierarchies that like i think mm-hmm. like nobody talks about like that's what's the pernicious part of it
14: mm-hmm. well I just wanted to give you another I, – I, I never heard you about talking, um hey, go abroad, study for free, essentially, mm-hmm. and come back. There is a path to get recognized in the United States, and, yeah. and, and and there is a path. And, of course, I'm worried personally, on a personal level, if I can bring it to you, uh, that um, you will be talking in 20 years about – keep the faith, mm. uh, instead of just lose the faith and come to Germany, yeah. you know, live here, <laughs> live here the life you want to live, you know, with social security and everything, you know, <laughs> I, you know, you had this, this nice Democrat, uh, you interviewed him, who was working with Democrats inside the party for 20, 30, 40 years, I don't remember. Yeah. And Jim he st- Yes, mm. yes, and he was very, very nice. But it was a little bit, I felt a little pity for him, you know, yeah. not to be, to, to fight the Sisyphus uh, mm-hmm. um, life. And so, hey, if you need somebody in Germany, call me up. I will find you everything <laughs> here. You know, it's, 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 it's possible for everybody. I tell you.
1: All right. So I appreciate I wish, that, Jan. Open invitation. Yes. We're all going to crash Jan's, Jan's apartment, <laughs> Jan's house.
14: <laughs> yes, it's a very nice apartment. So, I he lives a very nice guy. I meet him all the time in the mirror. So I, I wish you a nice day and 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 have a good time. Thank all you. All right, for keep the baby
1: Jan. Uh, feel better. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Michael. I'm coming to you. I'm also going to unplug from my road so I can charge my phone up a little bit. So apologies if my sound quality declines. But go ahead, Michael. What's on your mind? Again. Hello? Michael? Can you guys hear Michael? Wait, am I the only one who can hear Michael? No, Michael. Okay, so weird. Okay, Michael, get back in the queue. I'm going to try you again. I think maybe something went awry because I unplugged my thingy. Um, And I'm going to go to Jose. But I won't forget about you, Michael. Just get back in the queue. See if this shakes it up and makes it work again. Jose, can you unmute yourself and let me know what's on your mind? Are you with us, Jose? Jose, can you hear me? Oh, no. Do we
15: think
1: this is like a site-wide failure? Oh,
15: there we go. All right, Jose. Hey, we'll your hey, I just want to congratulate you for being right on forced to vote. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, I appreciate cool. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm rooting for these guys. I hope. I mean, they're not asking for anything other than I don't know what they're doing, but I'm <laughs> I'm glad that they're throwing a bomb in the system. You know
1: i get it like i i'm kind of in the same place like i like i said to tom like i have that one six feeling like damn like i wouldn't protest the capital over this shit but like it, if there's something kind of messed up if you don't think of the tragedies that are existing in our country and you don't feel motivated to <laughs> storm the capital like if you don't have that energy what are you what is even in your heart like are you paying attention
15: yeah yeah exactly i mean I think they're just frustrated because, uh, at least for the last couple of years, all all the power in Congress has been like, has been in just in the in the hands of like a, a handful of people, like four people, and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. so you just see Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Mitch McConnell, and they're the ones running everything. And then they're like, oh, they they're seeing the opportunity to like mess up the system, and they're going for it, and I give them props. I mean, good for them. Yep, and I I'm, entirely. I'm really excited to see that dude uh uh take all his stuff out <laughs> from the office so hopefully that works yeah yep. hey, Bria, I was gonna, uh, mm-hmm. yeah go ahead go ahead Jose. i was going to ask you about that brian guy that you guys were talking about uh, like, how do you feel if he gets a uh, speaker
1: oh the brian guy who is yeah, that brian black- donald oh the black guy yeah yeah um was his first name brian am i misremembering that it doesn't matter. I know you're talking about um,
15: Byron. 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 Byron, Byron that's it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. So for me, I don't really care which conservative it is if it's going to be a conservative. I mean, absent someone who's like really wild, like a Bobert or a Marjorie Taylor Greene, I don't know mm-hmm. how much I care. And I don't know. Like I, I said, this thing on rising this morning, I enjoyed. I've been enjoying getting to know some new faces. And I know that's not, like, the point, but but as I I think about what would this be like if this were progressives and, like, who would we be hearing from? And part of what the Republicans are enjoying right now is creating new stars. And I think it was purely performative uh, nominating Byron. They just needed to pick someone, anyone, um, to keep this thing going. But he gave a surprisingly kind of charming – he's kind of charismatic – You know, he was a very self-possessed, confident guy. Uh, The little interview he gave on the steps where he was joking about how, no, I'm not intimidated. I'm a big guy. I'm from New York. I was like, okay. (laughs)
4: Yeah. Like, obviously,
1: this is not an ideological endorsement of any kind, but there's something, I think, valuable to Republicans right now that they're getting to mint new all-stars and expand their bench. And, you know, like, if all these people are kind of equally ideologically not on board with my project then some random guy you know some black guy from FAMU who has a good personality hey why not <laughs>
5: like what yeah. do i care
15: yeah i mean it can't get any worse right so um yeah we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens yeah hey, um and the other thing that was nice to see was seeing lauren uh bobert when mm-hmm. she when she when she talked about trump I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, <laughs> there's blood in the water." <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> no, wild? Is yeah, that is crazy. That that is insane. I'm I, I give her props. I mean, I, I think if the progressives had any kind of balls, they would have done the same thing, you know. But they're they're too in line. I don't know. I don't know what Nancy has over over people, but but uh, you know that's it was it's great to see that. You know, I mean, I don't agree with her. I probably wouldn't agree with any anything she says other than just standing up to trump and i'm like oh shoot that's that's crazy like so I, I, I feel like he's, he hella lost his power
1: yeah I, I, people have been trying to figure out how to derail trump forever and i think there's something about that will smith argument where you gotta just hit crazy with crazy and lauren bullard yeah. is bringing it and to be honest like yeah <laughs> watch her on handy or briar or some of these Fox News shows she is her, her, I would be really clear. Her flaw is not having a worthwhile ideological project and having real concrete demands. But everything else she's saying about how legitimate it is to want Congress to be more transparent, to have more democracy, to have more bills hit the floor, like to have a challenge for Speaker, for it to be a public conversation, all of that stuff is true. And watching the establishment Republicans flail and trying to respond to all of those truths. I mean, RB had, had a great show today, I watched some of it, where they were talking about how they kept trying to filibuster her. They just like, Brett Beyer, or I think it was Brett Byer Hannity, kept trying to just talk over her because they know on some level that the things that she's saying resonate with their audience because they've been saying stuff like that for years, this full populism. The difference is Laura yeah. Goldberg's actually doing something about it in a way that is inconvenient yeah. to the Republican establishment, than the way that mm-hmm. Trump said he was gonna do, but never did, and now she's exposing yeah. them all, and it's it's kind of great to watch.
15: Yeah, yeah. No, when I saw that, and people people were like, "Gasps!" they are like, "How dare she?" <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, that's that's what's up. Good for you." <laughs> you yeah, know? it was we based need, over we need people whatever. Like that. Even yeah, yeah. Even if she's batshit crazy, I mean, at least she's doing something other than just going with the flow. And and you know, I don't know. I, I, I think she. I, I think this is going to be an interesting year to watch for sure.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. All right. It was good hearing from you, Jose. Right.
15: Yeah, you too. Hey, um, I want to talk to you about student loans. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because uh, sure. I didn't agree with you for the longest time about the student loan cancellation and all that, mm-hmm. but uh, you were kind of getting to me, but I was like, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't really make any sense for, like, everyone to, you know, uh, for, it just doesn't make any sense. But then mm-hmm. I saw this documentary by Dave Ramsey, and it, uh, it's called Bower Future. I don't know if you know who Dave Ramsey is. I
1: don't think so. Let me, let me grab so my like
15: computer. He's this guy from Tennessee, really popular. He's on the radio a lot. Uh, he, I think he's more Republican and conservative than anything else. Um, but he actually made a documentary called "Our Future, where he talked about the student loan uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. Now... I, I'm gonna be honest, with you he probably doesn't believe in bailouts or anything like that, but when I saw this documentary, I was like, "Shoot, these kids are getting preyed on." Yeah, you know, like this is this is predatory lending at, at its best, and he like they, it broke it down really well. So, um, if you want to talk to somebody from I guess the right leaning perspective about student loans, um, I think probably their camp is probably like it's a good uh, avenue because he has a he has a, a show on YouTube. And it's, pretty, it's really popular as well. And his whole is trying to get people out of debt, you know, or trying to show them how to get out of debt.
1: I love this idea. I, I'm looking at him now. So he doesn't, he, he says like, it's um, it's unethical for people to want to like cancel student loans while they're still issuing them. If they're immoral, then we shouldn't issue them. And I, I, I agree. Like, I completely agree that mm-hmm. the flaw with the Democrats approach right now, like Bernie Bernie simultaneously had a plan to make college free and to cancel student debt. So that going forward, if anyone's just to go to a private institution and take on debt, like that's on them. Like, fine. Like, mm-hmm. but we need to restart because that hasn't been the case in the past. And people have been preyed upon, like you say, so I can really get down with this. I'm definitely going to reach out.
15: Yeah. Yeah. It's Like I said, it's a, it's a, I mean, I saw a documentary and it really, it like, it really hit me because you, I had, I had heard arguments from like you and, and, and other people on the left, but I, I was always like, nah, that's, you know, that's, that's their business. Like they, they signed up for it. But then after watching the documentary, I was like, okay, this, this actually makes, uh, makes sense. And well, he is a conservative. So like, uh, some of his things, you know, you might not like everything that he puts out there, just warning you, but you know,
1: I appreciate um, the warning. I'm a big girl, but I appreciate the warning.
15: <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take all right, care, breathing, Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Thank you, (laughs) all right, Michael. I'm coming back to you. I haven't forgotten about you. What's on your mind tonight? Michael? Oh, did I lose you again? What's going on with you, Michael? Hello? Michael, it looks like you're in the key, in the chat. You're in the caller spot, and you're unmuted. But for some reason, I still can't hear you.
13: Hmm.
1: All right, we can try and try and try again, Michael. We'll we'll just keep get back in the queue. We'll try again. Russell, what's on your mind tonight? Hi, Bree. Hey, what's crackalacking?
9: You know uh, the new Congresswoman Summer Lee? Yeah. They say From, she's one of the best incoming members.
4: Uh-huh. And
9: I'm feeling for it tonight because I realized that her first 11 votes in Congress is for Hakeem Jeffries.
1: <laughs> so she was one of the candidates that got hit by all of this DMFI money and they yes. tried to derail her. She was successful unlike Andy Levin and some others, but she has a real um, bone to pick with people like Hakeem Jeffries. And it would be nice if in this moment, you know, she uses opportunity to highlight that. Like imagine if, so they have the, you know, they have what, 202 votes for Hakeem Jeffries or whatever. If, if, and there's 20 Republicans that are holding out. So, you know, many many democrats could start to play games right now and vote for other people without actually throwing it to mccarthy so a thing that she can do is say well this round i'm not actually going to vote for hakeem jeffries because i think it's worth pointing out that there was a resolution in the dnc to keep dark money from being used to defeat progressives like myself and hakeem jeffries is behind that exact project and the democrats wouldn't work to undo that. So I am want to say publicly in front of all of America that I'm am open to some negotiations with conservatives so they can get past this process if they are willing to agree to getting dark money, you know, support, support X, Y, and Z around dark money or whatever it is. I don't know there's, there's some limitations obviously to what people can actually do and who's in charge of what, but. Or she could
9: say, it. or she could say I don't want to be forced to vote for a guy who tried to defeat me in the primary and in the general.
1: Right. Right. But of course, that's not what's happening. I, I like Summerlee. I'm rooting for Summerlee, But she was definitely in that selfie with uh, Jamal Bowman and all those other progressives kind of laughing and clapping and acting like this was a great time. So yeah. that's frustrating. It's,
9: it's another reason why I can never support a Democrat. A second reason is I got an email from Bernie. I'm on his blast list. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, I'm about to take the gavel on the... Um, Health Education, Labor and Pensions Committee, the Health Committee, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be focusing on, number one, health, but no mention of Medicare for All. And then I heard from a friend in PNHP that he was calling around, Physicians for National Health Program,
4: mm-hmm.
9: he was calling around and asking for ideas on what they should hold hearings on. And of course, they said Medicare for All. And he said, of course, we can't do Medicare for All. So... Um,
1: But Bernie told the PHP people that, of course, we can't do Medicare for all hearings.
9: Correct. According to someone who was in a board meeting and heard the report. um, Bernie said
1: we can't have a hearing on Medicare for
9: all. He said, of course. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, of course, we can't do Medicare for all. That was the quote. Of course, we can't do Medicare for all. Um, So that's why I've sworn off democratic party politics but I've also sworn off th- third party politics cuz I was I I I did some third party politics and it's all too weird if you look at all the left parties they're all really sort of crazed my first um green party meeting was in 2020 and I walked in and people weren't applauding for the speaker they were waving their hands and I asked um I asked someone in the room, why are they waving their hands? And they said, they believe that clapping is too violent. And uh, so I just think it's all too weird. And if you look at, but I think there is a way, there is a a way for, and, you know, I've been listening to your show just recently, and I know that people are frustrated on what to do. And so I wanted your idea on this. Um, I live in West Virginia, and I live in an area where, okay, the state legislature is, out of 34 senators, 31 are Republican. And out of a 100 members of the House, 88 are Republican. Mm. So there are huge swaths of a state where um, nobody's running against them. Like in my area, out of like 15 House of Delegate seats, uh, 10 are unopposed. And you can get on, there's no ballot access problem here. You can get on the ballot with a minimal number of signatures, and you can win one of these seats with, like, 2,200 votes. And so it's a really low threshold. And I'm hoping people will look at this across, you know, flyover America and look at the possibility of running just, it doesn't have to be a party. It could just be a slate of independent candidates. Get on the ballot and try and take some of these seats.
1: Yeah, I mean, I um, something similar happened in I want to say Rhode Island. I remember I remember it being covered when I was at the Intercept. Um, I know I know there's a lot of thoughts and feelings about Ryan right now, given the topic du jour, but. He did. always used to do a lot of really good coverage about uh, local races and the way the progressives were trying to get by. And there, I think it was in either Massachusetts or Rhode Island, uh, a bunch of folks running for various offices across the state had decided just to form a loose alliance and, and mention each other in their campaign ads and tell everybody to vote for all, all their other people. And a, a whole slate of progressives got elected doing that. And so I, I, I think that's, Obviously, a good idea that all of these NBCs need to be taken advantage of, and that people who are independent of the party, whether or not they're running as a third-party candidate or just as an independent, generally speaking, should offer each other support and try to network in the way that, in a way that gives you the same benefits that you get from being a part of a, a larger party.
9: Yeah, I think it's the way because everybody hates both parties. I mean, a big—I'm not saying everybody, but a big majority of people are fed up with both of them. And so it's almost too toxic to be a, a Democrat. People just don't like it. And I don't think I don't think they can rehabilitate the 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 brand, so to speak. I think it's just too toxic. It's too too much for people. And if you want to start new, I mean just like the history of these of these new parties, the People's Party and whatever they're called, they're just they seem to implode. They seem to start and implode. Um, so, a, you know, running as a coalition of independents uh, always struck me as a, you know, a positive thing to do because it doesn't, you're not caught up in party politics. You're not caught up in structures and, but you can still run as you're talking about sort of like with other people who are similarly concerned about problems and issues.
1: Yeah. I mean, what do you make, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I confess I got a little distracted because I just saw, I I don't want to talk about emails. I mean, I don't want to talk about the tweets and these people. Oh, how disappointed I am in everybody. Um, I mean, you, know, you said that you're kind of over electoral politics, but what you're describing is obviously electoral politics. Do you see any, like, tension there?
9: Oh, I'm, I'm not over electoral politics. I'm over I, the Democratic Party. I see. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally into electoral politics and I, I love, you know, grassroots electoral politics. And I, I, you know, again, I've just, uh, I've just been listening to your show just recently over the last couple of months. And it's just very exciting to hear um, this like independent force of people, your listeners and um, your voice on your various platforms, uh, because it, it points the way to, to something that can happen, to something new that can happen. But my my fear is what I hear from a lot of people, and I, and there are dissidents in your in your audience. But what I hear, it just seems that people want to fold back into the Democratic Party and reform it. I don't think it can be done, and I don't think it should be done, because if you look at. Just well, the two the two examples I use today. One is Bernie, who everybody got excited about, who made his name with Medicare for All, and it's basically. And and this is not just Bernie. This is a whole squad, and you've talked about this. They just you know un- unless it's fundraising time, they just don't say anything about it. They don't hold hearings about it. They don't talk about it. They run from it. Um, And everybody in my community needs it more than anything else. It's the one thing that would most help people, that and the $15 minimum wage. And they just run away from it. Um, So I just don't trust that even the best of them, Summer Lee, uh, she comes in and she starts kibitzing with um, with the enemy and voting for him 11 times.
1: I mean, that's well, the thing. It's like you can't, like, I, I know it sounds, like, dramatic, but how can you trust someone? The way that they're talking about Hakeem Jeffries in particular, it's like, how can anyone trust you? Like, do you actually believe it? Do you actually, like, when I was talking to Ro this morning, it's like, do you, do you like him? Do you, do you like Nancy Pelosi? It sounds like this isn't even just, like, like, when I, when I hear in, in, um, AOC talk about these people, like, she covers for them. I don't like it, but it feels like she is playing a role. Like, she doesn't actually like Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi obviously has been very rude and mean to her. Like, I don't believe in her heart that she likes her, even if she's playing the game, and I disagree with that. But some of these people, it's like, I I don't even think that you get it. I think that you actually think you're on the same team, and that is scary.
9: And, um, and it just, it's, it's, uh, Well, I mean, because I I I I heard a lot of good things about Summerlee,
10: yeah. Um,
9: And the way she stood up, you know, and and beat back those two attacks on her was pretty impressive. Um, But still, um, when you when you get to Congress, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, I think they should act independently, but the the power of the corrupt parties is so great that they don't. And the other thing is. in West Virginia, you know the I can't stand being around Democrats here. I just can't. They're just they, they, you know it's much easier for me to be around Independents and Republicans and even Trump supporters, because they just seem like they they recognize the system's corrupt. Democrats feel like oh no this, the, the if the Democrats got in power things would be a lot better. The independents and Republicans recognize the system's corrupt, and they just they want to blow it up. Um, and I think it should. I think we should move away from both parties and start anew. And it resonates with a lot of people. It doesn't resonate with Democrats. They want to stick with it, but it resonates with the majority of people here. Um, so I think it's a big opportunity in hard red states to, you know, to make a move and. Um, build an uh, independent political force.
1: Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right about that. I appreciate you calling in, Russell. Thank you. All right, keep the faith, Jonathan. Oh, I think I was supposed to skip around, but I'll go to you next, Jonathan. What's on your mind tonight?
16: A lot of stuff. Like <laughs> this last few days has been lit. Just, uh, I said a lot of it on Twitter. I don't want to belabor too much of that. I should say just as an aside, uh, you know, you've had two fucking awesome days on rising and, uh, I feel like unfortunately Rebecca's segment has gotten overshadowed in all this. She deserves a shout out for the marvelous job she did eviscerating that Cato Institute ghoul. Like like absolutely shout out to Rebecca Parsons for that. She just, I mean, it was, it was amazing. And exactly the right angle of attack and and everything else, uh, yeah, was, but yeah, I yeah. sorry, go, go ahead. ahead.
1: I, I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but one of the days this week, I literally felt like every segment was so good. Like I was like, "This is a great lineup. Everyone should be watching this show. Why are more people watching this show?"
16: <laughs> it was every single segment, and you know your like your radars the last two days have been some of the best I've ever heard, and, you know, I am tickled pink that this is coming back up again because it needed to. This is a fight that never really ended, despite the fact that a lot of bad people really wanted it to, and you can see their their risible responses in your replies, and, uh, you know, they just, it's this, they're confronted with incontrovertible proof that, uh, you know, this low-hanging fruit of the ability to wield power when you have a narrow majority in one of these bodies is just, it's so abundantly clear. And like, they're like, okay, so what's the ask? And you're like, whatever the hell they please. Like you only have to whoop ass once. Okay. And then the next time there's some important piece of legislation coming up that you have, you want to have a say on, you just be like, don't make me take my pin pan out and they'll do what you say. And that's exactly what mansion and cinema did. And it's, these guys like David Dien treat mansion and cinema like they were just part of the firmament, part of the machinery, just some sort of inevitability. And when we're talking about doing the exact same thing they've been doing for the last couple of years, uh, all of a sudden, I don't want to talk about that. That's a, a two-year-old strategy. It's old news. And I kind of like that was really like one of the things I found most obnoxious because I expected better of David Dien. But, you know, a lot of these wonky guys that are way too highly specialized, or uh, as I think it was Chris who said, they just read too much. But it's it's more about them being like way too highly specialized to the point where they can't see the forest through the trees anymore. There's no ability to think laterally. And he uh, just can't see the bigger picture. Everything is about this one little policy he wanted change and absolutely no thought for what makes it possible to change those policies. And what might cause, you know, the bad guys to roll them right back to the way they were. And, you know, it's it's just I don't know. That is yeah. something I find incredibly frustrating.
1: Yeah, there was there was a time in like I think February. I don't know, at some point after the Sam Cedar debate. You know, there've been moments during all of this where I've been kind of on a high, like I was at the beginning of this call and this was something really invigorating about feeling like something was moving and getting support from unexpected places and the solidarity that existed between like Crystal and Kyle and um, Justin Jackson and, you know, Jimmy and, you know, the, 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 Katie. You know, it felt so good. And then there are these other moments. I Everyone I got so depressed in February after it I started to die down a little bit. I lost a bunch of the subscribers. A bunch of these people, because you have to understand, like, Friend is a strong word because it's like internet friendships, but I, I really thought that I was friends with these people. You know, when I was living in New York, Emma Vickland, who was like very young and didn't really have a solid gig in the space, like reached out to me and wanted to go to, I, I took her out to brunch and we were talking strategy about how she could be successful in the business I think Nomiki cons was the first person to ever reach out to me from the internet as a real person. And we had coffee and she asked me about my interest in working in politics and you know, whether or not I wanted to come work for, she didn't tell me who the candidate was at the time, but what ended up being Cynthia Nixon's campaign. And I was so flattered by it. I was a lawyer. I didn't know anything. Like I really liked these people. Like I, Dando Vila had me fly out and do a show in California in the beginning of 2018. And I thought it was so cool and magical and, Oh my God, I'm on TV. And, he was so sweet and and hospitable. And, like, that lex, the, the reason I paused in the middle of the last speaker. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Sweet. And I was like, wait. I have nothing but all these positive memories of going to the MR studio, you know, once or twice a month to talk with Michael Brooks after work. And, you know, you're the guy off camera. And you were there for all of those warm beautiful evenings and these memories that I treasure where we do the after hours and open a beer and sit there drinking our Stella's and cutting up about Mike's Michael's Gorka impression. And it's like, whatever you think of me, like, why wouldn't you just DM me? Like if you had all of these feelings about me and you think I'm a liar, what, like, when have I ever suggested that I wouldn't be open to having a conversation with you? When Anna first popped up about all this force of vote stuff years ago, I immediately got into her DMs and was like, "Can't we talk about this?" And she just called me a bunch of names, and then like, you know, like I don't under like it's one thing for a stranger to be like, "Ah, oh, you suck," whatever. Like, who cares? I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand how you can treat people that you actually know like this. I don't know. Like, I know that sounds so deeply. Like I don't.
16: Me. I mean, I don't either because, like, I. And- I had warm feelings toward these people as well. I wasn't as close to them as you were because I, you know, was not, you know, certainly on their level in terms of public profile. But, uh, you know, I interacted with these people on Twitter. I thought they were nice people. I enjoyed the sense of of unity and comedy and solidarity uh, between all of us during that time period. And, you know, it was jarring to a lot of us to see, Like, ultimately, these people revealed themselves. And when the dust settled and the feelings settled, uh, in a lot of ways, like, you can know in your head that, you know, this says way more about them than it ever possibly could about you. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it still stings a little. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think these people have done and are, especially in the face of what I would consider to be smoking gun proof, Uh, that this is correct because the bottom line is the bottom line. All the power is in the hands of these holdouts. All of it. Like this stuff does not move forward until an agreement is reached. And these people hold all of the leverage. And there's, I don't understand what's confusing about this. This is about as straightforward as it gets. And if they are still behaving that way, they are fundamentally unserious people and they're not going to be part of whatever it is that we're going to be doing to build a better tomorrow at least not in the short term, like that's to me, that's what that says about that. They are advertising it. And it's it's disappointing that we're you know, they're not who we thought they were. But, you know, this getting back into the conversation, I think, is on the whole, despite those kinds of of uh, bad memories being brought up, uh, galvanizing and invigorating. And, you know, it gets the right conversation happening. This is how you wield power. This is the low hanging fruit. And there are so many people out there that I see on Twitter that see it and that are saying they see it. And, you know, there's no amount of gaslighting these people can do anymore to convince us that is not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's certainly true. There's no amount of gaslighting that people can convince us that's not the case. There is an amount of gaslighting that can ruin my mood, though. And i got to tell you, I am not like it was tough, like force of that. February of two thousand and twenty-one was not a good month for me, especially because I mean I lost really important allies for me like Ryan. Like I know whatever everybody thinks about Ryan, but like I had a personal relationship with Ryan. I sat next to Ryan every day for almost a year. I learned so much from Ryan. I owe so much in terms of my career to Ryan. I I regularly used him as someone I bounce opinions off of and ask like procedural questions to. Same with David Dan. I mean not as much with David Dan, but you know like, and I experienced tension between us as a real loss like an interpersonal loss also and like i don't know it's it's tough like i don't want to be fighting like it it, i see people say things every day like i adore Glenn greenwald i i see him say things that i do not agree with every day of the week and i'd either fucking ignore it because i don't have the bandwidth or i dm about it but like the idea that i would like quote tweet someone like that so that I have any kind of relationship with and just go straight to, you're a liar. I've never called, I've never called, a, for all that I've disagreed with, with um, uh, uh, Ryan, I've never called him a liar. You know, and maybe that's, maybe I'm at fault for that. I know a lot of people would like me to do that. But like, I, I have a different obligation than you guys do who don't like have a personal relationship. I just, I, I, and I sound like such a Pollyanna right now. I can't get over no, the I agree with all of that. I, I agree with house. all of that. I,
16: I think that's perfectly said. Like, it, because a, again, like I also have the same reaction to Glenn Greenwald. Often, I also know he's fundamentally a good person. He engages with people who disagree with him he, without making it personal. And uh, you know, this is like you roll your eyes when people say things you you disagree with, without uh, you know basically. Um, you know, dumping on them or, you know, throwing them out like they're trash. And that's what decent people that are thinking rationally do. Um, and, you know, I do think uh, that there's, you know, Ryan kind of does represent sort of the same problem that David Diane has. He's stuck in the weeds with these little uh, nuances of policy and can't see the forest through the trees on a lot of these issues. And you kind of see that in the responses he has to the things that we bring up. When we're talking about these broad power dynamics and things like that, uh, this is not clearly an area that he, he feels comfortable discussing or making pronouncements on. It's outside the area where he feels confident he knows what he's talking about, I guess. and then and so he instead of engaging with it or maybe trying to learn more about it or listen, uh, he just shuts down conversation about it. He, he, he refuses to talk about it or engage with it because it's outside of his comfort zone. And I like it's an extremely it can be an extremely poisonous weakness and blind spot for people to have, uh, especially in conversations like this. And, you know, the notion that uh, some people like, uh, you know, Matt Letch or whatever would take that leap that they're so averse to having this conversation or engaging outside of their comfort zone that they would throw somebody they know under the bus or somebody they had a personal relationship under the bus as though none of that stuff ever happened is, it, to me, that says he's a bad person, Matt Letch. Like, he's, he's a bad person. There's no getting around that. This is not somebody that I would ever trust with anything at this point. Like knowing that this is what he does when he's tested says everything about him, and unfortunately, nothing about you except for the fact that uh, even the smartest people sometimes don't truly know a person until they're put through that kind of a crucible.
1: Yeah, no. Look, I don't know him. Like I'm not. I've never like hung out with him outside of a little MR studio in those East, can be
16: pretty intimate. You know, like, I, I, I used to listen to those during the Michael th- during the Michael Brooks days. Those can be pretty intimate, personal, deep, real conversations.
1: I just I you don't get know. to know like, those people well. I don't even have to know anybody that like I have. You know, you you guys will be like, Robbie sucks, and wanting me to say Robbie sucks, and I won't do it. Robbie will say, "Oh, your followers are at my ass," and I'll be like, "Leave my followers." Like, I I don't want to like. Maybe that's maybe that's me being wishy washy or something. But I do. I, I feel like. We can just say the things that we mean and the critiques that we have without impugning people's like character necessarily. Not talking about character flaws and are being you know they put they put that out there to be critiqued. But like Robbie's a, a very nice person. He's a lovely person. I disagree with him substantively. Like I'm not. I don't di- like. I like Robbie. <laughs> the issue wasn't Robbie. Me too. The <laughs> is that his political framework is crazy to me, and that is what it is. And we talk about it every day on the show. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know. Let's go, I, we can stop talking about me and my fucking
11: emotions. Yeah,
16: no, we we give we give Robbie crap, but we 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 also mostly like we enjoy the dynamic between you two and the fact that he's not a bad person makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference to you know how much uh, of that disagreement you know, and the, obviously we think his politics are terrible, but and his economics are are even worse, but. Uh, you know, the fact that he's not a bad person makes a difference in terms of being able to respectfully disagree about something. And really, that's that's the only ask you need to make. Don't be a terrible person. And unfortunately, some of these people that used to be our allies have revealed themselves to be uh, terrible people, uh, or at very least, very uh, weak-minded uh, people that yeah.
1: can't they can handle, handle
16: challenges to their assumptions.
1: The Nomi stuff hurt, and the Anna stuff hurt, and, like, then the Ryan stuff hurt. It, like, it was a lot in a row, and I've muted everybody, Emma. Like, I've muted everybody a long time ago, um, and my internet experience is improved. But, like, I just, I think this podcast didn't exist for very long before the community just crumbled. And I wondered, like, there's a world where all of those people would have been regular guests. And we could have all been friends and we could have opened debates about this stuff as much as I give Ben Burgess shit At least he was willing to debate me on the Katie Halper show I don't I don't know where that interview went. I tried to find it recently and couldn't find it Maybe I'll ask Katie, but like, you know, to, to have that much energy for someone you've never once spoken to about It's crazy. And I, and I also say it will set up in Burgess as much as I find something kind of, you know, kind of tacitly patronizing about the way he talks about this issue He's never been, like, openly hostile, disrespectful, or rude to me, and I appreciate that as well.
16: Yeah, I would like to see him bury that hatchet, but, like, at the end of the day, he was the one who initiated, um, you know, basically this uh, this kind of tacit hostility, uh, this very kind of passive-aggressive, uh, you know, feud that's, that's existed. Uh, the coldness like that was 100% on his part and he, he owes at least an apology for that if not uh, saying you know he doesn't necessarily like he could you can have a disagreement without making it personal and if he prides himself on being able to do that then he should be able to bury that hatchet and I hope he does
1: yeah well look I appreciate you being a sounding board for some of this Jonathan and for us always all your advocacy on the internet
16: oh no problem I'm gonna keep doing that by the way I'm You're having a great a time.
1: Sending <laughs> all the positive energy out in the world to you, Jonathan. Keep the faith.
16: Thank you. You too.
1: All right, hopping around. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna treat myself to a little sly. If this uh app works, it's giving me the pinwheel of death. Oh no. What's happening? Okay. How you doing, Sylvester? Long time no chat, I feel. You with us, Sylvester? Can you unmute yourself? Sly, are you there? Are you somewhere distracted by the family stone? <laughs> All right, Sly, if I caught you off guard, I will look for you again in the back of the cube, which also reminds me that I forgot about um, Michael. So, Sly, I'll come back to you. Michael, let's. Let's give it a Girl Scout try. Try number three. What's on your mind this evening? Oh, everything is like really gummed up. Michael? It's a family affair. It's a family affair. Oh, give it one second, please. Okay, I'm giving it one second. But uh, we're coming up on the end of hour three. Oh, shit. Sorry. I think I accidentally just screwed it up because Kirby's avatar looks a lot like your avatar, Michael. Wait, Kirby, that was a lie. That was a lie. Sorry, Kirby. Michael. You, You with us, Michael? Can you unmute yourself, Michael? Michael. All right, I'm like, I'm trying. I think I got to press on, Michael. Ian.
11: Adrian!
1: Bree,
17: what's up?
4: (laughs) When I tell you, I was like,
17: Bree is playing games with me tonight. Cause I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be here early. I'm gonna be on time. I'm gonna be in the front. Now, I didn't get the front because that was just it. It's like this app. I'm just gonna be grateful for this time that we have. It's a new year positive vibes. We'll leave that at the moment. But, like, I was like, I'm gonna be number one. I settled for like seven. skipped around. But it was cool because the first time you called me, you skipped around. And I was like, okay, cool. This is lovely.
1: All right. <laughs> Look sometimes sometimes you win by the skip, sometimes you die by the skip.
17: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know what? Now, when I was sitting there like number one, right on the edge, I was like, Come on, let me win by the skip. All that die by the skip stuff is just not necessary tonight. But I totally get you now that I'm not been scared tonight, like so <laughs> um, I'm feel. i willing to just be a little bit coy about it, just be chill, like, yeah, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes it's okay. <laughs> okay. look, I'm going to ram through as much as I got, and then we're going to hopefully get back to Sly and Michael and all these lovely other people. Here, One, I can't, First of all, the way you started this, this is how, like, the whole college show went. Absolutely nobody, nothing. The chat hey Brie, what's on your radar today? <laughs> give us the unfiltered version. I was like, you would go at A-W-F. That means off, y'all. It's like when you're going really hard and you're like really getting it out there, you're just like, mm, yeah, fighting for it. So girl, I was like, Brie is out here fighting for her life. Somebody give her a water and a moist towel she because she's just trying to get it all out. So just wanted to share that. Two, this is another quick one. Um, so we need to address, and I think this would be a great episode. Why is Hakeem Jeffries trying to steal? Keep the face. What is that about?
4: <laughs> <laughs> what is this?
17: I saw like I got the notification from Twitter and I was like, okay, what's breach tweeting about? Let me just take a little break from work. I saw the keep the face thing, I was like,
1: oh <laughs> Well, you know, Biden says it all the time too. Biden, no.
17: No, it's yeah. not stealing. Or give credit. Give credit.
1: Just say you're listening to bad faith. <laughs> it's only I would love it. if anyone has a scoop about who some unlikely um bad faith podcast listeners are. I, I want I'm that glad. story. I wanna know.
11: You, you know listen to um okay.
1: do you know do you know who's a fan is um you know, it's that one thing that's got me ticking. It's that one thing that's got Marie. A-Marie, A-Marie, honey. A-Marie, listen. Shout out to A-Marie.
17: Shout out to A-Marie. First (laughs) of all, my mom had that CD when people had CDs. And I used to bump that number, that track right there. That was it.
1: (laughs) Wait, how old are you? Don't do A-Marie like that, talking about my mom used to listen to A-Marie.
17: I'm not going to do A-Marie like that, but I have to speak my truth. I'm 27. Oh my lord!
1: You you could have been listening to Amory. I was listening to Amory in high school. You could have been listening to Amory in elementary. Oh, I guess not.
17: <laughs> see, but but see, Bree, you do it too much now because you can go off. Because see, <laughs> I was saying that I was listening to Amory regardless of the age. Like the music was that song was here, so I was just listening to it just because I don't give a damn how old I was. I was just rocking. It. I'm like, okay, But what's the beginning. She's like.
1: Da, 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 da. No. Yeah, I never never let go.
17: Yeah, <laughs> that was. Not...
1: It. I never know what she was saying.
17: None of us know. We make it up every single time, but it always <laughs> just kind of <laughs> matches. Um, which just another little funny share. I recently had a party and we were doing karaoke, and you know, my boo by Usher and Alicia Keys. Of course, of course, right? So. It was somebody else's song, and they're just singing it out and doing their thing and living their best life. And out of nowhere, one of my friends is sitting on the couch, and she's just like, we're providing background vocals that nobody asked for. And she's (laughs) like, all you hear is, if you remember the song, it's like, ah, ah, ah." like, no." Ask for that. But we're like the entire song, we're just providing the most clutch background vocals. So all you hear is just a repeat of. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh. so, <laughs> listen, when you come to Atlanta, you just need to let me know. We can do karaoke, and I am oh, percent. I will I will be in the background. We did karaoke one night. Oh, my gosh. I ran up on stage and didn't know these strangers, and they were super cool about it. But the song was so lit, and we were just having a great time, you know.
1: You're making nothing. me think that i got to just go ahead and get a. Marie on the podcast. You know, I think you should. <laughs> so, a. Marie, this is how funny the world is. A. Marie went to college with Thomas Chatterton Williams and their friends. I think that's part of how she came to the podcast. Isn't that funny? Isn't the world so small?
17: That is. That's crazy. OK, since we're, since you brought up Amory and we're talking about her, Sorry. side note, deep cut, um, there's this woman, I don't know her name, but she's got a YouTube channel. And it's called Wine and Chill. I'll see like, right, and when we finish, I'll put, like, a link to a video in the chat. But she is, like, a, she's an attorney, and mm-hmm. she also worked in entertainment, and I want to say worked for, like, one of those music labels. And it's so interesting. I clicked on her video because she was talking about how Glorilla, you know, if you don't know who Glorilla is in the chat or whatever, it's, um, she's a rapper. So she was like, hey, I'm looking for an assistant, $500. So this sparked like all this conversation discussion on the internet. It's like, she needs to pay more. She needs to, you know, whatever. And then Glorilla responds and she's like, let me explain something to y'all who don't understand. Mm, Okay. Everybody's like, whatever, girl. She's like, I'm not paying no more than $500 because I'm paying for flights and this, 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 and that. And it's really not that much when you think about it. So she's like talking about like what it's like to be an assistant. But like, as I'm listening, I'm peeping that she's like, she makes these like comments that are like a nod to socialism or mm. like kind of cracks that capitalism. So I'm like, okay, like I'm rocking with her. She's like, let me be clear with y'all, $500 a week is not much and especially most of these jobs that she talked that like like a personal assistant that gorilla is talking about
9: mm-hmm. more than
17: likely you're not going to have benefits so i was mm-hmm. like see she's already on the same page as me people be like gassed up about you know income that you're bringing in but then the benefits are shit. It's just like you it's a mess so i went and watched a couple of her videos and one of them was on she was like specifically focused on Jay-Z and Black capitalism. Mm-hmm. It was a really good episode. Like she unpacked what capitalism was and did it in a way that was accessible to everybody, to like, you know, entry-level folks. Um, and then she kind of talked about like the, um, uh, it's late and I can't think of the word, but like kind of that switcheroo, kind of what uh, a, a non-Gerd talks about, but just like, this whole win-win situation, like Jay Z was yeah. talking about, like, "Oh, I came up and this, this and that," and I yeah, doing day. good by
1: doing well. Yeah,
17: and like those little, like I'm donating Christmas gifts to the community. That's one thing she talked about Jay Z doing to the Marcy Project. But like some of those same folks were like, "It's still the project, bro." You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, that, so it's a, And then she also did an episode on student loans where she was talking about like she went to law school, she ended up racking up like $300,000 in debt. She's paid off Mm
11: $150,000.
17: Now for that friend who's from Germany, this is what America is. Mm -hmm. Like we have literally purchased a whole house, but don't have a house, have nothing to show for it, Mm -hmm. but more student loans. So she was like, she's really interesting. Again, I'm gonna put her video in the chat and maybe hopefully y'all can kind of like do a, a fun episode because she seems pretty fine she's got a glass of wine um, and maybe it'll just all be a, a nice little vibe but I was like really like oh my gosh she's she's I'm not alone like that Bernie Sanders feeling that you talk about that, uh-huh. that, that oh not me uh, it's like oh my gosh I'm not crazy. I'm constantly looking into the camera and I'm finally like, oh my gosh, the camera person actually sees me.
1: All right, and cool. Look, Adrienne, I followed her. I subscribed to her channel and I got her some of her videos. Yeah, I just did a quick cool Google where you're talking about her. So, go, 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 is, there, go, go. is there anything that you, else that you wanted to yeah. say or should I try to get to just a couple more people before we wrap tonight? Right, do,
17: let me do this. Um, I took like tons of notes. This is why you got to give me a room. No shame. Um, Okay. Hmm. Why don't you, I already did that one. Right, miss. mm, Let me just. Okay, one quick thing. Twitter has been a mess ever since Elon Musk has taken over. Like, and you've been talking about this. Where like the whole he's got to decide whether or not he wants to be a free speech platform or like wants to adhere to the ads um, that are, you know, going to determine the money that he's able to make off of that. When I tell you, like, I've been getting notifications for the most wild, inappropriate stuff. In the really? middle of the workday, yes. Like I have an account where, like, I have an account where like more professional and all that stuff. But I have one account where I can just like really follow what the trends are, mm-hmm. laugh, kiki, like see who's getting roasted, maybe like a tweet or two, and just be not judged because there's absolutely no avatar, I'm not going back and forth with anybody. So whatever. But like that account has been getting like the most wild, explicit information. Like no heads up. So I'm literally picking up my phone and I'm like, oh, what's this notification? it like it's an iPhone. So you press it down and kind of expand it. And I'm like, whoa, this is inappropriate. That was never a thing until Elon Musk uh, joined it. So it's yeah. been a mess. And like tweets at the bottom when they should be up at the top, it's, it's truly been a mess.
1: Yeah, mine's has been really slow, but apparently I was asking uh, Robbie about it yesterday, and he says he didn't notice anything, so I don't, it could be a my computer issue. I do be having a lot of tabs open and stuff, but nothing else is slow, it's just Twitter, and it's been, it's been taking, like, to upload a video account, I have to like leave my laptop open to the Twitter page for like 20 minutes to get a video to upload. It's why I haven't been posting a lot. Like it was late posting about the episodes for the last couple of weeks. It's just, I always hate posting. Like it's very onerous to write all that copy and do all this little stupid administrative stuff. But like it's been 10 times worse because it just takes forever to upload a video. It
17: just, it, it kind of feels like, you remember those days when you used to have to plug the internet into the wall? And then, like, but your house phone wouldn't work. Do you remember those days, Adrian? I do. Don't come for me. Like, why? Why? I'm (laughs) I'm not that young. I'm just, like, in that awkward stage where it's like, I'm too young to be cool with the adults. I'm too old uh, to be cool with the young folks. One of my students literally said to me, he's, like, crying. I walk over and said, Johnny, what's wrong? He's like, I don't have any friends this child had friends, y'all, so everything's okay. He just is a little emotional. He goes, I don't have any friends. I said, well, I'm going to always be your friend, and my teaching partner is going to be your friend. This child wiped his tears, looked at me, and said, yeah, but y'all are old. <laughs> I said, I am 26. What is going on? So that's, but the final step is the thing, and then we'll pass it on to the next person. Just kind of wanting to I know we've talked a lot about the whole like, Warren Boebert going off and all these people who are like defecting from the Republican party and just doing their own thing. One of the things that I just want to point out is, it's unfortunate that the progressives, specifically the squad types are not, did not leverage that moment and force the vote. And also are sitting back like, kiki, ki ha ha ha, like this is funny. No, this is not funny. This is sad that you didn't do what they're doing. And it's just interesting to me because when they were, in the um, what is it? When when they during the Donald Trump presidency, you could clearly kind of see not defection from Donald Trump. Uh, excuse me, not defection from the Democratic Party, but like defection from this whole idea that oh, we're all in government, we should all believe the same things, we should all do stuff. I remember watching a clip of Ayanna Presley. She was like talking about the Hatch Act and how Kellyanne Conway had basically like. Broke the hatchet. She was going on Fox promoting Donald Trump, even though she was like still working for him, which, from what I understand, is just not appropriate and against the law. And so she was like trying to send her some subpoenas, but Kellyanne was just like, "Bitch, I'm not coming. <laughs> I don't give i I'm, I'm not coming." And I remember her talking about it, and she was like, "We as um, a body need to seriously sanction the Trump administration and specifically Kellyanne Con- Conway." who is being disrespectful to a co-equal branch of government. But when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Same thing kind of seen when Nina Turner was running where everybody was like, oh no, Nina's not going to blindly support Joe Biden. And it's just like, that's not what the point of any of this is. We're sending individuals there to be able to engage back and forth with other elected officials. Nobody should just all be there and be like, yeah, we all agree on the same thing. We're just going to reign supreme and not you know, engage in what is the the democracy. And it's just wild to me that like, at the same time, they're doing all this hammering about democracy is dying, democracy is dead. They're literally like, shh, don't say anything. AOC, be quiet. All you squad types and anybody dissenting, it's like, no, y'all, that's the point. Like we're supposed to be engaged in discussion, debate and conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got. Mm-hmm. You keep doing your thing. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Your you sleep well tonight.
1: Thank you. I'm about to. I'm about to hit the bricks so hard. I'm going to be like wreck Ralph. I don't know. I was really struggling for an analogy there. <laughs> look, don't sleep too hard now because you got
17: to get up and
1: read that book for that interview. <laughs> I do got to get up and read that goddamn book. Okay, thanks for reminding me, Adrian, because I'm tempted to stay on here a lot longer because I see this queue and there are people I want to get to. But I'm going to do a little bit of a rapid fire, okay, guys? So look alive. Look alive. Michael, keep the faith, Adrian. Michael, I swear to God, <laughs> this is it for us. You know, I got to quit you at some point. I'm plugged back into my machine. We're getting, we're getting high quality. Okay. All right, Michael, you're up. You hear me? Yes. We did it. Praise Jesus. We did it. Michael.
18: Thank no, it you better so be much. good. No, happy. LOL. No, no, no. I'm about to stroke your ego here, so you're going to be happy with this. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to say – there's a lot of things I want to say, but we're rapid fire, so I'm going to be a bit frenetic. But I want to say thank you so much for uh, all the work and sacrifice you've done for the left and for justice and being a voice of unequivocal truth. Um, you were talking earlier about how the Bernie movement, uh, when he came in, the things that he did uh, within you to, to break some of the dissonance that you had from what you felt, what you saw in politics, now that he's kind of capitulated a little bit uh, by bending the knee to Biden to, re- to do things that are reasonable, you know, he's he, he got... A lot of concessions but he's not that voice anymore and so for people like me you're that voice uh as the fourth branch of government journalism which has been mostly abdicated in this country to have you and david and others out there means a lot
1: that's very generous of you to say very kind you know it it doesn't always feel i mean you know like i was saying day-to-day it can feel like we're making progress and there's so much solidarity and there's such a community. And then the next moment I see something that makes me want to curl up in a ball. But I really do appreciate people like you and, and comments like yours. And honestly, this community, I haven't said it in a while, but the reason that I end up on these things for four hours, three hours is not because, you know, I'm paid by the minute or like there's any like, you know, financial incentive for me to do so. It's because I like being here. This is my, this is honestly my favorite thing to do. Um, I enjoy these conversations more than even for, um bad faith at this point. Like this community is everything. And so I appreciate all of you so much for making this show what it is. Oh no. Did we lose him? No, I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. For some reason, um, when I look at my phone, you're still in the queue talking, not in the like, Collar box on the left. But yeah, the text, Let me not jinx it.
18: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're here to celebrate your force the vote victory. You're vindicated, <laughs> and um, it, it's it's such a big deal because I mean, not only were all the things you were saying right, and it, it's it, sure it's a moment we c- you can pat yourself on the back and say I was right, but really, what's accomplished here is political capital you've gained to make future arguments like you can say yeah i i was one of the people that pushed this idea that turned out to be right so next time i bring an idea forth um people have to a- 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 adhere to that to some level so for example like you could come up with an idea now like about and, and we're talking about leveraging power here and how they've abdicated the squad has abdicated their power their their mandate to do that by being elected on running on things like medicare for all um so now it's it's not and and i know we've talked about uh about the force to vote as if is a a very rare opportunity but there are many opportunities to hold people's feet to the fire to find creative ways to uh use their mandated power and find leverage like right now It might sound crazy for me to say they could talk to McCarthy and say, hey, guess what? The whole squad, we will change our registration to Republican if you hold a Medicare for all uh, vote. That sounds crazy. But what's crazy is in this country, we don't have Medicare for all. Everybody, all the other countries do. And we have people dying in mass, not just from lack of health insurance, but from COVID and and whatever is in the future. And so let's say they did that they went and said, we will change our vote. We will cha- change our party affiliation to Republican. You are like, what, what did you call him? Uh, like a, a, a caged rat, cornered rat right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll bail you out. All you have to do is hold a floor vote and we'll even make it look good for you. Like you can say, Hey, with this, we're going to get rid of Obamacare political capital right now. Uh, having this pandemic has exposed national security threat for the united states because even if covid wasn't created in a lab now a country's incentivized to do so because of how hard it hit us comparatively to other countries because of our lack of healthcare like mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I'm sure, I, this is kind of a off the wall idea, but it's something they could do. And there, no, I like more. how
1: I like all of your framing suggestions here because I, I do think there's a way that a con- look any conservative could decide to own a lot of these issues. Um, a lot of the COVID healthcare stuff, the so the national security aspect of having a, a, a more comprehensive healthcare system. You know, I, yeah, I completely agree. It's
18: populist. Their own their own constituency on Fox News polls are yeah. So other than their, their donor base, of course, which yeah. is the real rub. Look, I,
1: I, I do think that there's you know, some risk to validating the broader Republican project by identifying as Republican. You know, I, I wish that Tulsi Gabbard could leave the, the Democratic Party without joining the Republican Party, and this is part of the frustration because I do think that rhetorically, symbolically, it packs an impact when you leave the Democrats, but it packs less of an impact when it seems like you're not joining anything else and a lot of people who want to register the displeasure with democrats but don't want to validate what it is to be a republican ideologically they they end up just becoming disaffected so i i i i agree with the sentiment and i i think that they certainly should talk about trading votes um that In a way that will help the Republicans, I'm not sure that I agree with the idea of like changing their registration. Yeah, that that's our
18: end. Just do look something. At Kirsten Cinema,
1: she just is no longer a Democrat, but also isn't Re- Republican. So that could be a different kind of a move as well. And maybe that could be start- at the start of a real third-party movement if a meaningful number of progressives decided to defect in this way and say what Kirsten says, say what say what Bernie says, and they caucus with Democrats mostly. But I'm wanting to signal to everyone that I'm not here to be, do team sports. I'm here about principles and policies and the people.
18: Yeah. I was glad to hear in, in your uh, episode today uh, when you, when you kind of asked them, well, what could they do to work with McCarthy to uh, to get up uh, uh, to get some concessions themselves by maybe working with him? Because mm-hmm. uh, standing by Jeffers is only signaling to us that their unity uh, that they have unity behind sticking with corporate uh, right. power.
11: 100%. Um,
18: okay, uh, I know we're in rapid-fire mode, so I I, I have a, a guest idea for you before I sure. go. Um, sure. uh, Mina Raver ran for Congress in South Dakota as a, as a progressive, and uh, she, I think, would be an interesting guest. Uh, I was the treasurer for that congressional campaign. It's pretty interesting.
1: Nina um, Raver, we, Colorado Progressive candidate.
18: Uh, South Dakota.
1: South Dakota, I'm sorry.
18: And is, is uh, Whitney Raver then? She's changed oh, her Whitney. name. Oh, Whitney. Okay. Yep.
1: All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm glad we made it through.
18: We did it. Yep. Thank you. We Have did it.
1: <laughs> we did it, Joe. All right. Thanks, Michael. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right, Shelly, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, my God, we won. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we fucking
19: won. Like, uh, I mean, we did. We <laughs> fucking won. And they fucking know it. And that's the reason why they look like such sad little fucking pussies. And they just keep saying <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. where they're just like, what do you mean? But what was even the point? And they're just so butthurt. They're just, they are just do not have to believe it. And they're just coming up with all this fucking crap. And they're saying, I mean, but it wouldn't work this way because you see the power imbalance on the Republican side doesn't work that way. Fuck you. How does it not Pump work? off, Shelly! I mean, how does it not fucking work? Like, uh, someone in the chat earlier had said something about, like, yeah, but when the Republicans just banned with the Democrats to crush the progressives while they were trying to do this, okay... And then what do the progressives have? They go look, same party, You're in a party. Yes, they exactly. It, How does it not work? Right. Like, anyway, I'm just saying, y'all. I mean, and this this is a big deal. This is a fucking big deal, ideologically. Like all of these things happen at some point. Like I'm thinking, like oh, 1885. You know, like the you know the hardcore left. Beat the Narodnerics. And then in 1902, they beat the Economist because this is what happened. There was a huge issue that came up. And the people that took the right line won.
11: Mm. And,
19: the, and all the other ones, they dropped into irrelevancy. Mm. That is the reason why this was a big deal. All right. Happy to celebrate with everyone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was great, Jelly. I'm glad, I'm glad you came up. Thanks for being powerful, yes. short, Bye. and sweet. Bye, Shelly. Keep the faith, my friend. All right. I saw a request for Bide. I have mixed feelings about taking requests. I saw a request for Shelly and Bide. And so I'm hopping around and I'm picking Bide. But I also feel really bad because I like that. It looks like maybe Josh is a new face. I don't recognize Josh or Bert. I do recognize James. James, you were doing some great tweets today. I don't recognize David or Levi or Moldering, and I like want to call on those people because they're new. Bite, are you here? Did you bounce? Am, am I here? Oh, okay, there you I'm go. Here, yeah. For some reason, you're still like yeah, not in you, that box, but never mind. Go ahead.
20: Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, I was, uh, I accidentally hung up earlier, so I would have been in line if that works. Oh, you did? Um, I didn't notice that. If you're into rules and shit, but also, uh, okay, shout, out uh, shout out to Shelly. Shout um, out to Shelly. Shout out to Shelly. Yeah, take this W for sure. It is a W. Uh, she's exactly right. The reason why people are all up in their shit is because they know that they don't have an excuse. They don't have an excuse. They, they can't be talking shit anymore because it's, it's working right now. Like one of the, you know, I don't like to get into like shit on Twitter because it's fucking Twitter. Like who the fuck cares? You know, this isn't real. <laughs> nothing's real. Whatever. But th- there was a message on Twitter like, oh, yeah, <laughs> force a vote is so good because or so uh, good they got like you know they got a concession for Lauren Bobart to have a uh, like a 10 minute stand up set during the whatever and you know the whole, the whole idea of it is like oh they didn't concede anything and I'm just like yeah but the fact that they got they can get any concession at all is proof positive of the concept you dumb idiot like what are you talking right. about like if it works. The, the
12: fact that right. they
20: can get a concession is showing you that it works. So definitely celebrate for the, um, you know, to the extent that people are, uh, you know, kind of showing their whole ass on Twitter. Like, it always sucks whenever it's people that you always thought were, like, your homies and your friends and stuff, too. Or at least, mm-hmm. like, people who were aligned with you. But this system makes people do some weird shit. And people's egos and their, their lack of ability to kind of confront their own selves and their own sadness and their own like life sometimes just makes people act out, you know, and sometimes they're just going to lash out at you. It sucks. You know, uh, I'm sorry that's happening, but you can't yeah, stop. Like a girl. there's nothing it's you fine. can do I'm, about that, yeah. you know?
1: I was it's thinking okay. about you know, it. Like it I was thinking hurts. about David Day and how much you know? I care about him and value him. And I'm like, okay, well, a part of me was just tired. Cause I'm like, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, like, put on my to-do list, I gotta go have a call with so that we can have a good relationship because I wanted to have a good relationship. And it's like, how many people are I gonna add to that list? Am I gonna DM Matt Leck? Am I crossing him off? Am I gonna DM... I, I, I,
20: you can't keep taking on everyone else's problems on you just because someone has a problem with you. At a certain point, like, I had a friend during COVID who was like my fucking brother, man. I love this dude. I love this dude. And he kind of just... He really went off the deep end in like a serious way, not quite like a Q way, but he starts like just cutting out people from his life. He starts being real hostile for just out of nowhere. And I know there's like shit going on. I want to reach out to him. But at a certain point, there's only so much that can be done with that at times. And at a certain point, you got to protect your piece, too, especially when your piece is contributing to a larger movement, to a larger purpose. And, you know, like. I don't think that necessarily makes all people bad people. I disagree with Jonathan on that because I don't like, like, look, we're just fucking people. We're all the same. Everyone's all fucked Mm -hmm. up in one way or another, you know? And some people are a little more self aware of how fucked up they are. And in doing that, become kinder to other people and realize that we're all in this together, you know? And some people, they don't get there. But, like, to the extent that, like, you you shouldn't always have to take on the the burden, too, of, like, uh, you know, reaching out to everyone who does you dirty. Like sometimes you just just let the dirt be the dirt, you know. But, but also, it's it's I mean, up, it's up it to is, you. In
1: pure, we would be stronger if look if if, if everyone's big issue is with the idea of the floor vote for Medicare for all. I gotta say, mm-hmm. I personally I, I hate that we didn't do it because people are forgetting what that moment felt like in the heart of COVID and the failure of the bernie campaign and the bullshit we were getting about the timeline for medicare for all I remember there were a lot of episodes i did working up to this we had just talked to right um, the guy who was used to be an nnu leader and also was a healthcare correspondent for the bernie campaign like and he had said oh it's a 20 year timeline and it revolves around gavin newsom I had just—I had been reaching out to the NNU people, and they canceled on me once Force the Vote came out because they didn't want to talk about it. Remember, this was in the context of a lot of other signals about what was going on behind the scenes that everyone else's memory hold. So I think it's a very—the the healthcare thing was important because people were trying to dodge it, and it was very um, salient to the public at the time. However, if that's the sticking point for all of these people who've been so opposed to the idea this time, I don't give a shit. All I want out of them is a concession. That the procedural prong that they said wouldn't work because uh, Kevin McCarthy would magically become Speaker of the House does in fact work and that there was an opportunity for progressives to demand anything in the world, you write the list. And that next time something like this happens, they have to recognize that and respect the strategic solutions even if they would tweak the strategy.
20: Exactly. And that's all of, I want. Uh, and I want, and a
1: world where I can get that across to Sam and Anna and all of these people is a better world for the left. And I'm willing to do it.
20: Well, that's – yeah. That, that's a That's a world where progress actually gets made. You have to be willing to learn from your mistakes and readjust. Like, I mean, like, you know, I'm not a big – I don't need to go into the whole thing, but – Uh, You know, I know everyone feels some type of way about the founding fathers and woo, woo, woo. But I think one thing that George Washington, if you ever study like any of his life or whatever, he fucking sucked at being a general for the longest time. This guy sucked at war forever and he Mm -hmm. got better just by learning from the mistakes. Mm -hmm. So like that's how we learn. That's how we are like – that's why I can like sit down with a previous version of myself in some like, I don't know, alternative universe where there's time travel and be like, look, you don't want to do this. You probably want to do that. Because I learned from the shit. Because I had to go through and actually make the mistake. But speaking of the list of demands, I have a quick one, and I'm going to get yeah. out of here. But um, certain concessions we can make. Uh, I'd say put Katie Porter back on the House Financial Services Committee. Mm. Uh, reinstate the motion to vacate. They're already doing that uh, for the vote of no confidence. Uh, that's mm-hmm. one thing they're doing. They're doing and and the the latest is that McCarthy uh, has now agreed to reinstate the motion to vacate by one vote by any, any member of the house mm-hmm. at any time. So it was five before. Now it's one. That's huge. Imagine any one person in the house being like, nah, fuck this dude. And then you get a vote of no confidence. Like that's, that's impressive. Um, putting, I didn't know who exactly should be on the rules committee, but we need people on the rules committee. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. would say, I mean, like, I know we feel some type of way about the squad. I put Rashida Tlaib on there. Just because Mm -hmm. uh, of all the squad members, I think she's kind of shown herself to be the most independent. And the rules committee is important because it determines how bills come to the floor. Uh, So no more one speaker or or this committee holding up what bills can come to the floor. Uh, Open that shit up so we can actually vote on some more shit. And then maybe like uh, if you're getting a Republican speaker – guarantee the filibuster or something like that. Like basically guarantee a a way to uh, fuck up all of their projects if you want Um, some kind of backdoor, but that's short list, short list of things, rapid fire. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, And uh, it's, it's celebration time. Okay. Keep that energy up. We are celebrating. This is, this is a victory. I appreciate that. Peace.
1: I appreciate that. We're going to, we're ending on a high note. Look, I'm already at 322 now. If you, if the person I call on next really promises to keep it short like these last people have so that we can still get, like, two more in by 330, I'll stay to 330. But if it's going to be one person, you know, talking at 330, I'm not going to do it. So I saw Lysol, you were at the front before, and you got kicked to the back, so I'm pulling you up. Can you keep it snappy? Can we do two or three people by 330? Hey, Brie. Hey, Lysol, what's on your mind?
21: Hey, so – um I guess my main point about the force of vote stuff, besides um, giving you your flowers, obviously, is this: it's it's not really holding anything up. I mean, I guess people have forgotten how divided government works, but I mean, uh, a GOP House isn't going to be able to get anything done except for arm sales and tax cuts. So mm-hmm. I say, I say, keep this up for like two months, mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a really, really long con, where Lauren Bubbers like. We can't start this uh, Congress under, under any means. Just, like, really draw it out until everybody in that room has COVID and then see who
1: <laughs> You know, it's funny. They're not getting paid.
21: They're so not getting
1: So I paid. think... Wait, and, and they're hourly? I'm sorry? They're hourly? No, they can't. They haven't been... Most half of them haven't been seated. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the newly elected people are not actually in Congress yet. <laughs> they haven't been sworn in yet. Um, and... I don't know if all of them aren't getting paid or just the newly elected ones aren't getting paid, but someone made reference to that. Also, um, Rokana this morning when we were talking before we started, you know, going on air mentioned how many folks are you know, frustrated about having to be around for the weekend. You know, like they can't go home until this is over cause they all have to be present to vote. So they're all being held hostage here. They can't go back to their district and some portion of them aren't getting paid. So there are all these internal pressures that are acting on them to want them to come to a decision, but you're right. We are not in that position. <laughs> like for the American public, like that's great. That's just more leverage for the people who are looking for leverage and part of why the plan is such a good one.
21: Are you in D.C. right now? I am, yeah. Is there any kind of energy for an anniversary because tomorrow's January 6th?
10: Stop!
21: You're not. No, I'm just, because you know, the got, CIA, Everybody in Congress is in town right now.
1: I know they're listening. You are not going to get me. You're not going to get me kicked off my platform because I was encouraging an insurrection. I'm not going down over it.
21: I I openly <laughs> supported uh, uh, Al Qaeda on one of these columns I'm pretty sure. That it doesn't get you know what, Lisa?
1: Mm-hmm. That's why I'm about to next you because you were not about to get me in trouble.
21: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the actual fuck? <laughs>
1: All right, Eliza, I'm glad I called you up. Thanks for calling. Keep the pace.
21: Yeah.
2: Keep the pace.
1: All right, Dylan. You look like a new face. What's on your mind tonight? (laughs) Dylan, are you with us? Dylan, can you hear me? You're in the you're in the slot, Dylan. You're unmuted. This should be working.
6: What's going on here? here?
1: Oh, great. Dylan, what's on your mind?
6: Yes. Yes. Oh, my phone was down. Hey, my volume was down. Hey, can hey,
1: you hear me now? Loud and clear. What's on your mind tonight? Awesome. Awesome.
6: Um, I've been wanting to tell you something for a while now, and it's probably going to get a reaction from you. Oh, dear. But <laughs> I think I think you are the actual left-wing version
1: of Jimmy Dornell. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't jimmy door the left-wing version of jimmy Dore? are people are you knows. are there's questioning about what you want to characterize them as left
6: yeah yeah but i do think i do think now that because see you're not i mean you're not a comedian but you still have that like righteous anger that i always loved that i always loved from jimmy door you know mm-hmm. and i'm kind of Now that I'm, like, not really a fan of his anymore, I have been listening to you instead. (laughs) Uh, And, um, but yeah, I just wanted to to tell you that. So that's one thing. And um, I'll make it quick. Um, I do have um, two suggestions. Ooh, you're
1: you're breaking up a little bit. You have two suggestions. Okay, Sorry, yeah. you were breaking you up. You have, have two suggestions. What are they, Dylan?
6: Okay, yeah, so I have two guest suggestions. One is, I believe, have you had Vijay Prashad on before? Yes. Okay, great. I think he would be an excellent guest to have on about just a, a historical analysis because I know a lot of people, they say – bring up marxism and like read theory and all this stuff and i mean i'm a marxist myself but i think i think vj and, and other other people i think it would be very good to have him on to do like because a lot of the things that we're talking about has already been done like
1: yeah yeah you know, yeah that's a good like- idea i love talking to him and yeah. you're right i should have him back it's been a few months
6: yeah, because I mean, every time you like bring up, oh, what should we do? What should we do? And I'm just like, okay, um, well, this happened in 1917 in the Soviet Union, the like 80s, and like, um, um, what was his name? The guy in Africa, you know, all, all these revolutions and stuff that's happened, and just like, well, just what did they do? And yeah. it's like, you know, and and I think VJ would be a great um, Guest for that another one um uh, that i love is brian becker um he's on breakthrough news he's, he's oh, we he's haven't had right enough there.
1: breakthrough news i've been wanting to get eugene on okay brian becker
6: yeah you, eugene's a great one too but yeah brian becker he's the one he's got he's on breakthrough news but he also has the socialist program on there too but he's he would know every he would know pretty much a lot of the stuff same stuff that vj has same same kind of deal um but yeah yeah i think i think those those guests would be awesome. Just been wanting to to tell you that, but yeah. That's All right. Everything. Well, yeah.
1: Thank you for those suggestions. I like them both. Thank you for reminding me to go and comb through the breakthrough news crews because they're faves. Also, it's so weird that I haven't. I don't think I've had Rania on the podcast yet, which is ridiculous. So yeah, which is crazy. That.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely have Rania on. She's awesome. Yeah.
1: She was. She was my gate. I think I. I was listening to her. She was my gateway. I don't know how I found her podcast. Um, but she's how I found Katie And then the rest of the left so I'm always grateful To her for that and um, yeah. Definitely got to follow up thank you Dylan yeah. Look,
9: oh, we no We're problem. at 1130 When well, you guys and... did a great
1: job Being okay. quick with these Fine. questions Keep the faith Dylan I see you at the uh, front Jamie. you know how much I love talking to you But I'm going to exercise some self control <laughs> Scott all you other new faces Like I want to call on you But I got to choose me I got to choose Me <laughs> So I am going to play us out with a familiar oldie per Adrian, this old song from back in the day. (laughs) And I will see you guys on Monday. Love you guys. Keep the faith. You're the best.